All right, today is Monday, February 19th, 2024, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Oh boy, this is a packed one. There is everything and maybe even the kitchen sink. All right, so we start off talking about Romans 9. How The whole chapter of Romans 9 is like a threefer. Um, it, it, it's great. It defeats several arguments. So I was just reading. I'm like, hey, Romans 9 is great. Like, so, ah, oh, the Bible's just so awesome if people will just read the thing. So Romans 9. Just that whole chapter, it defeats the problem of evil, the problem of evil, Hebrew Israelites' arguments about who salvation is for and the true Israel, and a works-based salvation. Right there, if you want those three topics tackled, read Romans 9. Um, so Romans 9, for example, 9.22. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy. So it's like, well, how can God allow evil to show the contrast, to show the goodness for those who follow him? Um, there you go. Anyway, then verse 30. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. Based on works. Works-based salvation. It's right there. Anyway, so, okay, then we talk about the coming day of judgment, and turns out the gospel, when presented matter-of-factly, this is what we believe, this is how to have eternal life, repent and confess your sins, pray to Jesus, ask for eternal life and to be born again, and you will receive it, that makes someone really uncomfortable, which is unfortunate, but that is Christianity. If you don't like the idea of the gift of salvation for eternal life completely for free without payment, then... Yeah, it just stinks for you. Um, we, we pray for that guy. Anyway, then we talk about the Trent Horn and James White recent debates. Um, we get into Marian, Marian doctrines and Mary worship. Um, there's no way to say it. It's, it's, it's Mary worship. Um, so with Orthodox and uh, Catholicism. And a lot of these people are nice people. But man, um, the Mary stuff is, is uh, it's too much. Uh, anyway. So we talk about that and what that means. Uh, then we get into uh, Lilith in the Bible. Um, maybe you've heard that in your Wiccan circles in the coven under the full moonlight. But we talk about Lilith and the biblical basis for that a little bit. Then we talk about demons, uh, demon possession, deliverance ministries, that type of thing. And um, man, it is a good discussion. That, tell me that's not a wide array. We bring diversity of thought here. Anyway, so... <laughs> Um, check out those topics, enjoy that and more, share these links, visit the Ask a Christian store, grab a t-shirt, whatever, support this podcast where we actually do share the gospel with people. And, um, even though it may not always be well received, that is the biblically accurate gospel. Um, repent, believe the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ for your sins. Ask him for eternal life. Ask him to make you born again. You will be forgiven. You will receive eternal life. That's it. And if that makes people feel uncomfortable because it's like, the patriarchy and God is a man, or I, I don't even know, man. I mean, the God of this world has truly blinded people. But we can share the gospel like we're called to do, and we can pray for people. So um, take care, have an awesome day, and we'll see you all later. Uh, in the meantime, happy President's Day to, uh, you know, President Trump, the greatest president of my lifetime. <clears throat> yeah, you've had a short lifetime. Um... I mean, if I was around when, like, uh, you know, Washington was here. I mean, maybe, maybe you were around it, but... during Reagan, right? I was barely around during Reagan, but still, I mean, you know, Reagan seems 
pretty solid. But I mean, you know, given the, you know, because Reagan didn't have, I think, near the opposition, like the, the saboteur subfusion on the other side. He just had normal Democrats fighting. Um, oh, but the level of crap Trump dealt with. Anyways, so, um, yeah, Reagan was solid. But, man, Trump, if I got to give someone the gold star in my lifetime, greatest president. But um, So, uh, so Reagan... Like, and George W. Bush, like all these guys, like the press was so vitriolic. Like, I'm old enough to remember them actually saying that Reagan was going to start World War III. They would just say it in the press, like that he was that dangerous and that evil. And, you know, they accused him of, you know, stealing food from children. I mean, like, all the same stuff. And, like, the amount of vitriol that George W. Bush got was, I mean, it was worse than what they said about Trump, like by a factor of five. How many times like, did they try to throw either of those guys in prison, though, for like, what, eight or nine centuries? Right. I mean, this new Anyways, lawfare Chris, thing. Here's your choice. Do you want to celebrate uh, Trump as president or our current dear leader? Those are your choices. How about, I gotta how about Washington? About. How about Washington and Lincoln? <laughs> sure, fine. Okay, go Trump. Um, so I was reading the Bible today. Um, sometimes. Oh, I do that. how'd that go for you? Well, it went really well, and it made me have an epiphany. <laughs> I mean, I, I try to do it every day, so I was, I was joking. Um, read the Bible; it's good. Read the Bible; do what it says. But I was reminded that man, this Bible is so full of answers that. Um, our jobs would be easy if people just read the thing. Um, unfortunately, they don't. So, you know, a lot of the arguments we usually have, like, you know, I was reading Romans 9 while you're, while you're like, rubbing your hands together thinking, oh, goody, goody, goody. <laughs> um, this may be a little different than what you're going to think, or maybe it's Romans 6. I don't know. But, uh, okay, so Romans 9, 22. Right, we're talking about vessels. <laughs> we're talking about vessels for destruction and vessels for mercy and things like that, yeah, which, yeah. which is quasi-related, it reminded me, because a lot of times we're like, what? Pardon me. <clears throat> Why would God allow evil? Why would God allow evil? Well, if you read Romans twenty, Romans nine twenty two, you get a little bit of an insight, and you know it talks about uh, by contrast, like hey, God creates vessels for destruction, and you know they've always been prepared so, and He creates vessels for mercy. So what if God, um, you know, wanted to allow vessels for destruction to show by contrast? the incredible mercy he has, uh, you know, and grace he has for the vessels of mercy. And I thought, there you go. Like, how many times have we said, um, you know, in our own summations, like, well, hey, you don't really understand love unless you have evil to compare it to. Otherwise, love is just blah. A, there's no baseline. Uh, it's like, you know, so you kind of need bad to really understand the beauty of good. You kind of need uh, evil to understand the true beauty of love and joy. So if by contrast, you know, what if God, it says, right in Romans 9, 22, well, like 23, that, that little context of, of passages there, it says, uh, so by comparison, God is patient with these vessels created for destruction so he can show uh, the vessels for mercy, like just how good their position is. Um, anyway, I thought, there you go. So don't take our word for it. Take the Bible. And uh, yeah, what do you think about that? I got one more, but what do you think about that one? Oh, that's really good. Yeah. I mean, it's like God will be glorified. I, I, I think I think the Bible talks about this all through the Bible. It does. 
Um, the next one, uh, I just got to pull this up and read it. I enjoy our new Calvinist, Nate. This guy's great. Ah, uh, whatever, bro. Choose this day of your libertarian free will who thou will serve and uh, believe the gospel. That is Calvinism right there. <laughs> is that right, Chris? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, okay, so the other one is, what, is it verse 30? Okay, so this is kind of like faith faith versus works, but from a different slant, because all these things, you know, come up constantly. But, uh, if we were like, uh, you know, what, like the Jack Van Impey guy, and like, I, I don't, it's pretty impressive. Like, is he is he dead now? But, you know, it's like he was wa- like a walking Rolodex. Like, you're like, hey, what does this have to do with it? He's like, oh, this is the chapter and verse. Like, hey, what is that one part in the Bible say? He's like, oh, he, I mean, he's like a better, it's like, a, what was it, Jack Henry or John Henry versus the locomotive? Like how, like the man, the man won, but then died. Um, well, I guess that's where it stops. But, you know, it's like <laughs> Jack Van Impey, like, I, I don't really know enough about his theology or anything like that. I just remember watching him in, like, my grand, grandparents' house uh, when I was a little kid. But the dude could rattle off, like, the entire Bible, like, just on notice. So, um, you know, that uh, that's better than AI can do. AI is doing a pretty good job. But, man, that guy had a memory. Okay, so uh, what shall we say then? The gen- this is like two. This is like a two for. This is like two for one. What should we say then? The Gentiles who did not uh, pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith. But the Israel who pursued a law that would re- lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. How many times do we say that? It's like the law didn't say them. Like, oh, why didn't they just blah blah blah? Why did they have to do commandments? They didn't have to do the commandments for the commandments' sake. They had to do the commandments to show their faith in God. Because if they had faith in God, that's why they would do the commandments to demonstrate their faith in God. If they did not have faith in God, uh, or if they tried to just like do the commandments for doing the commandments' sake um, as a metric, then they fail, and that's what happened anyway. So, so compare that to you know our dear Catholic friends. Um, who talk about faith and works, faith and worth, faith and worth. Uh, it's like, yes, you should do works, but why are you doing the works? If you say for salvation, congratulations, you're an unbelieving Jew. Um, if you say you do the works because you're saved and it's a demonstration of your faithfulness and of faith in Christ, just because that's what you're called to do, congratulations. Now you're a believing person. Um, anyways, uh, because they not did not pursue it by faith, but uh, as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written. Um, and then also there's another one. If it was like a three for, it gets back to, you know, who is the true Israel? And like, you know, Paul says it right there and not to start like a, you know, a holy war. But, you know, Paul's like, um, look, it's not just to the Jews because, you know, they, they kind of flubbed it up. So now it's to all who believe. So that's how the Gentiles. So, I mean, you like, in what? Romans 9 defeats... Um, it defeats the problem of evil, it defeats Hebrew Israelites, and it defeats faith versus works, or works. So, I mean, in Romans 9, you get like a threefer. Thoughts? Yeah. It also it also defeats Arminians. But, you know, um, yeah. I, yes, because Calvinism is the way. Just choose this day freely who yeah. you will uh, partner with God. And, uh, uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And once you've been regenerated, you are able to make that choice, um, which it talks about right there in Romans 9. Anyway, so. Um, then I would ask, how were the men in Genesis 4, chapter 4 able to call upon the name of the Lord when nobody seeks to die before? Then that, that, that got, you got uh-huh. to deal with that. And they weren't regenerate. 
Who, uh, what, Chris, what finish you your about? thoughts, then we'll go to you. Finish your thoughts, then we'll go to Sean. What men in Genesis four? Finish your thoughts. I mean, we'll, we'll uh, find we'll find out in a minute. <laughs> what were you trying to finish up saying? Oh, just you know, uh, you should do uh, Isaiah chapter ten, verses four through nineteen next. It's really good. It's even better <laughs> than Romans nine. It'll shock you. <laughs> uh, um, Sean, what were you saying? Did you want to say anything on the passage or uh, the Genesis yeah, okay. four? Yeah, the uh, Genesis four, the very last verse. We see uh, Seth has a son who has a son. And then the last sentence in that verse, because there's only three sentences in that verse, says, and men began to call upon the name of the Lord. That's prayer. How are they calling on the name of the Lord if they're unregenerate? So how do you know then from... I, wait, wait, no, I'm not done. Oh, okay. <laughs> you take very long pauses. I, I know. I, I, want, I just want people to think about what I'm saying before they respond. That's the way I do things, even when I'm teaching. Then uh, I see the Lord Jesus says, no man can serve two masters. You are either going to love the one and hate the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, who was an ancient uh, deity, false deity. But the key about the whole thing is you've got to choose. And in fact, if we begin, if we're going to do we'll do proper exegesis of Romans nine, Romans don't nine have time is to do about right the now. past of the past of Israel. That's proper exegesis. No, it's not. It's about That's just silly. Israel. Chapter eleven, chapter eleven is about the future of Israel and how we the Gentiles are engrafted in, but they aren't going away. But the scripture says all Israel shall be saved. So, so the key is from Genesis 4, men unregenerate are calling upon the name of the Lord. Noah calls on the name of the Noah, finds grace in uh, the Lord's sight. His sons are blessed of the Lord and in covenant relationship with the Lord. How unregenerate men, Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, in covenant relationship and bless the Lord if they're unregenerate and they and they're not born again. Christ ain't came yet. That because that doesn't make any sense. You don't understand what regeneration is. Regeneration means to be born again. Chris, come right. on, you talking to somebody who who, <laughs> who got a master degree. Okay, yeah, let's, talk about, let's talk about something you're else. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Abraham no was... Whoa, am I am I not talking? Hello? Yeah, there, there's well, no well, hold on, Nate. No, 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 stop. I didn't drop you. Nope, 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 nope. Bro, respect the only mod up here. <laughs> like, I'm trying to do this solo because no one else can keep their crap together. We're, we're, I don't care about the Calvin Arminian thing. If you want, there, there is zero shortage on Clubhouse of people doing that. Um, so does anyone else want to talk about the verses in Romans 9 without going to Calvin Arminian Wars? Anyone at all? Yes, Romans nine is it, <laughs> Romans Roman nine is about Israel past. It doesn't have anything to do with this. He's speaking to the That's Jews. just eisegesis. That's just ridiculous. That no is not, okay, that let's is let's try this not. again. Uh, kumbaya, my lord. <laughs> Brother, do you have anything to say that is not Calvinism or Minionism related? Or other person I can't pronounce their name. Savolpi? Savolpi. 
play means uh, please in French. Anything to say? I am not well versed in, in these uh, terms like Calvinism and Romans and etc. I'm, I'm more. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a simple-minded person, and I've had a conversation about um, the Judgment Day um, sentence, short short statement, the Judgment Day, and then its implications. And I, I, I as like, uh, I'm, I'm wondering what a day is. Like, does it require the belief in, in a planet floating in, in, in space? And then what a day encapsulates? And then if I'm editing text, you know, in my own mind, in my own, the freedom of me, uh, can I remove the word day? And it, th there's just judgment. And, and then if I, I remove the word judgment, then there just is. Because I'm questioning, like, um, uh, Bible means book, and and the people of the book, which includes Muslims, I'm I'm uh, questioning the need for for such statements as like there's a future event that's called day, but it's not really a day. Do you know what I mean? Um, I do well enough. Um, if I can ask real fast, just to get on kind of the same page, or, or so are you like um just like curious from like an intellectual thing, or are you like non-religious or some kind of religious? Uh, just out of my curiosity i i respect people who practice literature right and and you fall under that category you're an interesting uh uh example of what happens when people read and watch and listen all right well with that being said chris would you like to answer his uh 16 part question yeah could you maybe restate it a little more simply uh um, it's it it, it it like it falls under the category when people argue like religion versus science, like um, because it's because what's a day, right? If day and night from a satellite is is like there's no difference between a day and night, and then if you don't believe that the 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 planet is round and there's a, like a round sun because it's not in the Bible, then like what what is the, that word? What is it? What is it defined as? What's the 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 judgment? Because if you believe in linear time, like there's the past, the future, and there's a day coming. But the judgment, in my understanding, is happening right now when you're acting. Like, the judgment is now. So there's no future event of, of Judgment Day. Oh, I get what you're saying better. You want to take a stab first, Chris? If nah, if you understand it, knock yourself out. Okay, so I, I think you're being too literal or um, too technical or both. So, when it, like, if you're talking about, like, a future day, like, you know, there's coming a day, like, that type of thing. Like, it's a point in the future. So does that mean there's coming a... Uh, literal 24-hour period where, you know, uh, we revolve around, uh, you know, where things revolve around each other in our solar system. Um, I, I wouldn't say that because, you know, the Bible also, you know, throws some things that would kind of um, give pause to that. Like, you know, the day the day is to a thousand years. Uh, a day here is like a thousand years of the Lord. So the Lord's not slow in keeping his promises, things like that. So, so I believe the Bible literally, but uh, you know, when there are very clear times when it's speaking metaphorically, metaphorically or in a parable, like when it tells you to, um, that's when you don't take it literally, when it like basically says, hey, don't take me literally. Um, but I, I think that's what you're focusing on. And I'd say, no, that's not the case. So like as far as judgment, um, OK, so that would be to the time thing. But as far as so there is a future point in time, whether that's 24 hours as we know them here on Earth or, you know, as God knows them or, or something else. Um, so there is a future time when this judgment will take place. And when you said judgments are being done like right now all around, well, well, yeah, I mean, what do you mean by that? Do you mean like uh, 
like human judgment or God's judgment or like crime and punishment, like that type of judgment, like, you know, uh, crime and consequences or actions and reactions. Um, because the Bible talks about like, you know, one, one future judgment, which is like this great, great white throne judgment where everyone, regardless of if they've stolen a candy bar here and then had to, you know, pay a fine for it and, you know, consequences and they've been judged here on earth, uh, there's coming a future point in time where there will be one final judgment that God does. And it basically separates all the people who express faith in Jesus and are born again and saved and separates those from all the other people who have not. Um, so, yes, the, there's coming a day, a future point in time, when everyone will be judged at this one great final judgment. Um, that would be the answers um, as best as I understood your questions. Sir, my understanding of um, the book as a, as a, a tool of civilizational building in uh, the Judeo-Christian reality, uh, people try to interpret this this canonic, uh, super uh, altar-placed uh, uh, text that then they they build around it. Like the architecture of the text dictates uh, how they uh, interpret the re external reality. So they they have a courthouse. You know, there's. There's an actual judgment so that on all levels that you were talking about, like um, uh, shoplifting, a kid uh, misdemeanor, uh, whatever, that it's all guiding you in this like fear uh, and, and uh, what is it like a positive negative, like keeping you like dancing between the two poles. And then like if your mind takes you towards like, oh, there's actually a, uh, a courthouse where we uh, swear on the Bible uh, and then the judge can, you know, send you to, to prison, which is hell on earth. You know, because the same like um, the, the conversation yesterday was with Muslims that claim like the perfection of the, their book, like the, the word is like to perfection, the calligraphy and the, the placement. That's why they memorize it by heart, because it's perfect. And it, it, it was um, uh, transmitted in Arabic. So it's divinely perfect. And then they also have that exact sentence that the judgment day. And I was just questioning, like, because uh, if it was perfect, uh, maybe it would be just uh, uh, the judgment and like in Zen, you know, like the judgment uh, dot or like the judgment moment. Uh, but the, the, the word is judgment day. And then in the Judeo-Christian culture, as I'm saying, civilizationally, there's a courthouse, there's a court date, your wife takes you to court if you're uh, doing something uh, when the morality games are like, uh, there's a battle between like, who's right and wrong in this Christian world. Um, not sure if you're, uh, the way you left off was kind of odd, but uh, that's how I am. I would... Sorry, sorry, oh, okay. that's me. That's me. Oh, that's mm -hmm. fine. Uh, just threw me for a minute. But well, I would say the biggest thing to know about like, kind of, religion 101 is there may be some sort of like overlap on morality between Christians and Muslims on certain things, right? Like stealing is uh, supposed to be wrong in both beliefs. Um, uh, you know, there, there are some things like that. that there'd be overlap, which would also overlap with like a good secular humanist. Um, you know, like stealing is bad. Lying shouldn't be really done. Uh, you know, certain crimes we would agree on, but whenever we try it, and I don't know that you were doing that, but it sounded kind of like maybe you were kind of merging like, hey, you know, Muslims and Christians, you know, they're close enough. Um, it's, it's really not. Um, so if you're if you're talking to Muslims, you know, listen to whatever they want to tell you about um, Islam. Um, but I, I wouldn't try to take anything they say about Islam and try to fit it into a Christian worldview uh, because the two are just so diametrically opposed on the spiritual aspect and surrounding Jesus. Um, so, you know, they have their belief. We have our belief. 
Um, so if you think there's some kind of agreement, it'll be very superficial. Um, and the stuff that really matters for both of us, um, though that's like oil and water. Um, so I would just say that so you don't get confused. Um, but um, the reason they say that their, you know, their book is perfect and everything is because they burned all of the conflicting copies. Just, just so you know, little history. I don't care. Like it's your choice. It's your life. Do what you want. Uh, but just trying to like set you out on this. It seems like you're kind of inqu inquiring anew to like Islam, Christianity, maybe some other religions or whatever. So I would just point that out. Like you know, the reason they say, well, you know, we're, we're unified and everything is perfect is because all the other copies that said something different, they just burned them in like, what, the 8th century or something like that? Anyways, um, but does anyone else have anything to say about anything else he said? Yeah, I mean, I would just say, uh, you know, the, the, the gospel is the main focus, right? So when we're talking about how we escape that judgment from God, um, it is that we know that everything was broken, right? So, you know, God created the world, it was good, Adam and Eve fell, the world became broken. Um, all of us have been separated from God, so God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the world uh, to live the perfect life for us uh, and then die on the cross, be buried, and raise again on the third day in order to provide that resurrection power to us as grace so that we too could once again have fellowship with God. And the way he does that is that he offers the perfect life that he lived to us to stand in for us for judgment with God. And then he took our sins in his body. First Peter 2.24, he took our sins in his body. Um, and then the promise in Romans 10 9 and 10 is that uh, if you believe in your heart that, I'm sorry, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so you can uh, make a choice to either believe on Christ, repent of your sins, um, and follow him, or continue on your own way. And that is, that's the message of the gospel. Uh, yeah, we were talking about ultimate points of, of different beliefs. That's it for Christianity. That right there is would be the pinnacle of what Christianity is and believes. Have you heard that before? Do you have thoughts on that? Me? Yeah. Uh, weren't you, didn't you suggest me The Gamers, the movie on YouTube? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. Like... That's the kind, you know, like, I need the bizarre, I need the woman, a, woman uh, a man playing a woman character, I need the bizarre situations, otherwise I don't feel healthy. Like, anything that leans towards, like, Orthodox Judaism or some kind of, like, super strict man-woman family reality is not comforting for me. So, when, when it's said in a non-sarcastic way, I feel um, terrified. Uh, I just, like... I'm like, uh, can I get some space from this person? Is there a, a non-religious police officer around to help help me, uh, uh, you know, like protect myself from the religious uh, person? But anyone else who's like open-minded to, 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 you know, to not uh, be uh, terrorized with the word, uh, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, I, I know that it's a, it's a canonic 
book and i've heard these words before it's not like and it's not like he's you know that the, uh the uh, sorry to, to drag the muslims into this again but they they, they like uh, the christian uh the contemporary christian they don't practice aramaic uh, bibles and 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 they don't sing them much like you you rarely step into a church and you're like oh a choir of angels practicing christianity what what a marvelous uh, state of being you know when the uh, when the organ is is uh, uh lit and and uh people are harmonizing their voice says uh to sing the gospel he's just you know it's it's like not it's not a high performance of uh the word but uh, i've heard it before yes and i i don't I, I don't have to agree or disagree with it uh because it, it it doesn't require my belief or disbelief in it from my belief uh wow i have a lot to say um i okay uh, i'm just gonna give him a string of consciousness here Please so, do. Uh, the, the first thing i would say is are, are you saying that that ultimate point of Christianity, like when it was not presented in some sort of like, um, when it was just like matter of factly presented, like this equals that, um, does that, that means Chris was terrorizing you with the words? And then I would think, well, if that's the case, I mean, I agree with that completely. That is the ultimate point of Christianity. Um, you know, that, that is the gospel. Um, so if, if that is, um, you know, bad to you, <laughs> um, well, I, I mean, unfortunately, I guess Christianity may not be for you, but I mean, that, that is the ultimate point, you know, how you, are spiritually dead and this belief in this Jesus in the Bible can make you spiritually alive and give you eternity with your creator, with your maker. Um, but it's ultimately your choice. So if that seems, you know, bad or, or um, displeasing to hear, um, then that's, that's very unfortunate, but that, I mean, that is the, the ultimate point of Christianity. Um, then I would think, uh, well, if you liked my movie recommendation, um, the same mind that gave you that is the same one that is also telling you, um, you know, it's worth checking into this Christianity thing because uh, I have found it uh, to be true. Um, <laughs> those are the things I would think and wonder. I don't. I don't even know if they necessarily. But I think like my dad was visiting right uh, uh, yesterday, and and he would play. He would ask my 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 brother uh, to play uh, Led Zeppelin on the TV. And and I don't listen to that music. And and I I've I've had moments with it when I would listen to it, and I'd be like, oh, this sounds good. But yesterday it did not sound good. Like no matter how many suggestions my dad had, right? So similarly, like something can sound good to you in this moment, but it doesn't sound good to me. And that's just because we're different individuals in a different time and space, experiencing a moment differently. And you have a different relationship with this person who was speaking that word uh, b before. And I guess, you know, that's how you're, that's why you have a Peter as a friend and George as a friend. And they're different. One is tall Afro-American. One is short Asian-American. Uh, uh, one one likes uh, horses. The other one can't be near horses because they're afraid of horses. Sure. And I, I mean, I guess I would say, you know, I, I, I really it's nice if you can think something is true and also sounds good. But um, I will sacrifice sounds good for truth any day, um, even if it's bad or sounds scary. Like, you know, I, I don't I don't care how bad it is. Like, you know, I, I want to know uh, what is true. Um, so I, I would definitely choose true over um, something that sounds good, even if it makes me feel weird or bad or awkward or something. Um, that That's just me. I mean, I know I, I can't believe there exists people like that. But I mean, I, I've met people who are like, no, no, if it's too hard to handle, um, I, I just want to be it's like the Matrix. Like, I just want to be blissfully unaware. I'm like. That's really hard for me to understand, but I mean, I guess there are people um, like that. But no, for me, I don't care if it's if it sounds. I mean, if it sounds good and it's true, then wonderful. That's that's what I really want. Um, but if it's really bad but true, well, you know, let's rip off the bandaid. Like I, I don't want things to be hidden from me. I mean, if someone knows the answer, 
then I also want to know the answer, even if it is, even if it's bad. Um, uh, Serendipity, brother, you guys have anything to say? Or Todd? Or Christophanus? I would say crickets, but I think I'll say roaches. All right, so Volpe, looks like it's just you and me talking. Anything mm -hmm. else to say? Um, you called me a roach. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> uh, serendipity. Sorry, I'm making my eggs, Nate. This is a very uh, uh, tedious process. Can't break the yolk. Are you are you making like poached eggs? Over easy. Oh, yeah, those are kind of hard to make. What What's the one where you where you just like crack the egg? Uh, you, you just crack it and drop it in the pan, and then uh, you you flip it over once. Is that over easy? That's over easy. Yep. What? Is, how are those hard to make? Those are like the easiest thing in the world. Without breaking the yolks. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're just an egg master, and the the rest of us are just playing catch up. I guess so. I mean, the other day, like I was trying to think. Like I usually do scrambled eggs, just because I just because I like it. I grew up on scrambled eggs. Um, you're keep the in mind worst how, how vegan no one, ever. Hey, hey, I'm not really vegan anymore. I'm trying to get back to it. But anyway, <laughs> the point I was. Anyway, the point is, hey, no one wanted to talk about religious stuff uh, for this guy, but bring up some eggs, and here everyone is. Okay, let me finish this. Okay, so I, I was trying to make some eggs, which I didn't eat um, for my family, and usually scrambles my go-to, but this time, I'm like, you know, let me just let me just try this because I was, oh, what was I was putting them on top of something. Um, it was, oh, it was it was like sausage wings. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, I put this on, on top of the sausage links or whatever. So I'm like, well, let me just try this. So I just cracked a couple eggs, threw them in the pan, let them, you know, let them cook for, for a while until it seemed like they were done. I just put the spatula under it and just whoop, just flipped it over and it crashed right down, didn't break the yolk. And uh, yeah, at least it was the best eggs they ever had. Okay, that's all I got. Because okay, wait, break the yolk? I did not break the yolk. That's why. The yolk is everything. But it was easy. And hey, I, I spent less time doing that than it took to explain that. So you should be done now, right? Your eggs yep. should be cooked. They're <laughs> done. And I didn't break the yolk. Uh, <laughs> how many How many eggs does Dippity have in the morning? Are you making like family breakfast? Uh, no, just two eggs. <laughs> gotcha. Two eggs and some avocado. Okay, so oh now that your gosh, eggs are done. Millennials. millennials and your avocados. Are you kidding me? I'm so not a millennial. I know, but you're eating like mm. one. Mm. Stop it. Avocado is so good. So back to our... So, I keep missing up your name. So I so wanna, look I like, by the end of the day, so you're going to have one French word, one plus one French word in your vocabulary. <laughs> I've got, like, what? Uh, something, something like, well, there's, there's we, right? And yes. then something, something with a vu, something vu. Uh, par Parlez-vous? Parlez-vous français? Francois? Oh, what does Francais. that mean? Uh, do you speak French? Oh. Parler, <laughs> parler in many Latin languages, parler means to speak. Parlar, or parlar in, in Italiano, in Italian, parlare, or uh, parlar uh, français in French. It's just about the pronunciation at, uh, at the end of the day. In Latin, are you based. in France? No. 
Oh, that's a bummer. Dude, my pastor took a trip to France. Like one of the one of the congregants bought he and his wife a trip to France, right? Like just anonymously left them an envelope with this trip to France, right? And so they're like, well, I guess we're going. So they went and, you know, of course they eat at these places. You know his favorite place that he had in Paris? With all McDonald's. the I mean, with all the amazing restaurants in France. No, it's not as bad as that, but it was Five Guys Burgers. I was like, <laughs> are you even kidding me right now? And his wife is just mortified. And like his wife and I American grew up together. Right there. I'm like Colin Kelly. I'm like, seriously, you need to set this man straight. Like, I don't care about his theology or anything else. His 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 culinary choices are appalling. And she's like, I know. I'm working on it. So. Uh, so I like to think that uh, people don't care about, uh, you know, food more than God. But, um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know where else to go. I mean, that, that, is the, uh, that is the ultimate message. So, I mean, if that's, if that's tough for you or whatever, then there's really nothing else to say. I mean, I guess we can answer just, you know, generic questions if you have them. Um, but, Wait, I mean, that, uh, what, about, what about this, this aspect of what I was saying? Like, um, do you see that uh, a Bible, so the word Bible is, is uh, because of the, the port of Babel in um, uh, Phoenicia, I believe, modern Israel. So that's why the, the books that were, came to Greece, they, they were called the Bibles, and, and that's just books. And in Christianity, it stuck with like the book, so the Bible. Um, but a Bible is a is a, a like any text like the Sumerians or the Babylonians uh, carving text on on um, monuments. It's a civilizational building tool because it communicates to the little ants us what to do. So it says like um, build a bank, build a courthouse. This is accepted, and this is what we're gonna dance because everybody's gonna have a role. Right. And in the universe of the book, like the universe of whatever other Narnia or a Lord of the Rings, whatever, uh, you know, the, I'm talking to the geek inside of Nake that recommended the gamers to me. <laughs> right. Yeah, so that's and, and for, mm -hmm. well, yeah, yeah. And, and navigating, I, I, navigating morality socially. Yeah. And the geek side of Nate appreciates that, um, you know, Narnia and Lord of the Rings love it. Um, and, and I would also say, you know, like, for example, the the. Uh, biblical side of Nate would say, yeah, the Bible is is no different. I mean, it, say, it says things like, hey, there's one God, worship him, you'll live with your creator forever, and, you know, don't sacrifice your children to demons and burn them alive. That's bad, don't do that. Um, you know, I don't know that, why you need a book to tell you that, but apparently people did. So, you know, don't do that. Um, you know, you'll be blessed if you, you know, serve God. You know, things like that. So that, that would be some of the things that, you know, our book, our Bible, uh, communicates to people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, you've, you've probably heard the, um, the acronym Bible, where right? It's like uh, basic instructions before leaving uh, Earth. <laughs> and it's... But, but that's what I'm saying. I, I like as, as someone who I grew up in an atheist family. And then when I, I was a, a, an adult and, and a young adult, uh, I would I would stumble into like Buddhist spaces where like people don't recite uh, the combination of words judgment day. And then I would find more peace in it because I would be like, Oh, there's not going to be like a, a court hearing where uh, I'm, uh, uh, um, uh, whatever, uh, uh, where I'm going to be uh, sent, you know, uh, locked up because of my behavior. Well, yeah, but would you, would you, are you saying, it sounds like you're saying you'd sacrifice, uh, like just assuming it's, it's true, right? 
Chris, we got a lot of feedback from you. Just assuming this is true, um, are you saying you would sacrifice truth for feels? Because if it makes you feel uncomfortable, well, I mean, maybe that's the point. Like if you're on the wrong side of things, um, yes, there is a judgment like a court or whatever, like you put it. Uh, let's just use that analogy. So yes, there is coming a time when people will be judged just like that. Um, and if it makes someone feel uncomfortable, uh, it's supposed to, so they can change their ways and be on the right side of this. So at judgment day, you hear something like, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the kingdom of heaven, instead of something like, depart from me, I never knew you. Um, so if that is true, and I believe it is, then if it makes you feel bad, well, fix things. So whenever you hear that, it makes you feel good. I mean, that's the, the, I mean, the only other, the only other thing is if you, if you really want to sacrifice truth, um, cause it makes you feel uncomfortable. That would be awful. There, there's like a, there's a reality show on, on YouTube. It's called jail Las Vegas. And they record like what happens to people that are brought in into the jail uh, in that county. And um, they're, they're, they're like people coming in like prostitutes. And then there's like a, a Christian nun coming over to, to uh, advise that the prostitute goes to the hookers for Jesus organization and whatever. But then you're watching um, uh, police officers brutally uh, um, engage with someone just because they speak back to them. And, and, and most of this is like based into the Christian civilization and morality. That is, that is not a con construct of, of, you know, like these are, this is the Abrahamic civilization. It's based on this book, you know, like the, the code of Hammurabi builds another civilization. The Egyptian code constructs another civilization. Uh, Atlantean uh, uh, text would construct another civilization. But this role play theater of a society where everybody is an imperfect practicing Christian that, you know, like um, you, you don't. And, 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 and to me, to me, Islam is the same uh, Abrahamic uh, thing uh, to you. It's not to me. It is. I, I did. I grow. I grew up in an atheist Russia. So for me, you guys are. Excuse me. Uh, pardon my French. Uh, but that's what it is for me. Brother, go ahead if you want to. I was just going to say, you know, it really doesn't matter about any other possible view. You know, all arguments like the one you're making, they devolve back to the veracity of the Bible. You know, if the Bible is true, it doesn't matter what any other culture or religion would say. Uh, but 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 it's about compare, right? If you grow up in a family where you're you're from childhood, you're you're um the the you're programmed to uh, not do the deep, honest, comparative study. Uh, then you're just uh, you know you're dishonest, and then that's your like uh, root sin of being dishonest. Like you're like as every human um, at the root, uh, the sin of uh, deceitfulness, and. Um, you know, because it's the same as like I'm talking to people from uh, Saudi Arabia who uh, never study anything about the Bible or or uh, Buddhism, uh, and they just claim perfection of Islam. It's not based on, and and, and they're never glorifying any Aztecs, Mayans, the Japanese. Like everyone's inferior. Um, to me, it's like it's yuck. It's a little cringy, but it's it's what is. So like I try to humble myself down and and be compassionate with people on the level of uh, intelligence that they're they're um, practicing. Yeah, I mean, I guess for who who that applies for, then you know, fair criticism. Um, I think to paint with a broad brush, though, I think a lot of people, um, you know, like myself, 
Um, I wasn't always, you know, I, I guess I always believed in God or at least, uh, you know, a creator. But there was a time when, you know, I did do, um, you know, I dipped my toe in the other waters. I read the Quran. Um, <clears throat> I looked into Buddhism and philosophy. And I, I looked into a few other things, too. Uh, but it was very quick where I'm like, no, this just holds no water. This this is uh, fan fiction or, you know, this like in Buddhism, like, you know, meditation, like it may have it may have some sort of physical benefits through meditation. Um, but it's like it's like a cop out. It's like a lesser version of, you know, what I ended up the, uh, believing was the real thing, which is Christianity. I'm like, well, why should I look for, you know, uh, someone to teach me a philosophy about Buddhism and meditation when I can just go to the one who created all of those people anyway? So it's like even what you get from from other sources, I believe now looking back, it's easy to see. Um, but at the time, it wasn't so clear. But I'm like, well, looking at other sources, um, if God is the source and is the creator, everything, even if someone's like, well, I found another path. Christianity is not for me. I walk another path. Well, that other path, in my humble opinion, um, is diminished because you can have all of the, the perceived benefit you're getting from your other path, but to a greater level. Uh, by going to the creator of everything in existence. Um, anyway, that's that's just how. Um, but like you're I saying, then, then in that case, uh, b uh, Jesus is going to bring them back, like because he's created all of it, Buddhism and, and Islam. So so we're going to come back to it either way, right? Like I am right now interacting <laughs> uh, no, with, with a devout Christian. Uh, no, I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm not. Saying I'm learning from uh, you. You know, <laughs> you're like a father figure to me right now. I'm lost. You know, I'm a little child with an open mind, and I'm learning from you. You you well, if hold you were my the, child. No, no, in a, in a like like you're saying, a, a part of a Bible is metaphorical, right? So if I'm a lost, lost soul, shepherd, whatever, you're the shepherd, you're closer to God, and I'm listening to you. Well, yeah, I was trying to say, if you're my child, I'll just say, do what I say. I know what's better for you. Um, mm -hmm. A little tongue-in-cheek. But um, no, I'm not saying Jesus cre uh, created Islam or, or Buddhism. I'm saying he created the people who created that, which gets into a whole other thing. So if you want to listen to a lesson, uh, I would say, I mean, this may not be charitable, but it's kind of where we are. Um, I'm just telling you what I really believe. So, you know, I'm saying Jesus created all the people. People created all these different paths or different religions. Um, and, you know, our Bible, Romans 1, actually addresses this. <laughs> so take it for what you will, but it says, you know, people invented new ways to do evil. So if they're saying, well, here's another path and it's peaceful, or here's another path like, you know, communism or atheism that is pretty, you know, uh, can be objectively evil if we're talking about, um, you know, convergence over both of the two. Um, or looking at some of the Soviet stuff, or uh, anyways. So people invented new ways of doing evil. So I'm not saying Jesus created other religions. Of course not. Uh, but Jesus created the people who then went their own way and created other stuff. Uh, that's what I would say. And it's kind of like astrology, right? Like we believe God created everything. So when people say, well, we're going to look to the stars for our answers. It's like, why would you look to the stars when you can look to the one who made those stars? So it, it's about the um, you know the lowest common denominator, which everything goes back to Jesus. Um, but and but Jesus, not, Jesus yeah. the soul, or Jesus the physical body that uh, was hung on the cross? Uh, well, Jesus was fully God and fully man. So Jesus, the entire person. Uh, what's the difference between the Father of Jesus and Jesus? Well, there's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So there's three but, persons, yet one God. But you do, there's a distinction between the two. The three, yes. And you're not being facetious. You're like, uh, you're not being sarcastic. Um, no, and it, it makes me wonder, um, 
like how most people, especially in Buddhism, uh, they will get this concept of like a body, soul, and spirit, or, or something like that. So it seems uh, rel rather easy, unless someone is like an ardent atheist, that most people will understand this kind of trichotomy or at least dichotomy view of people to some degree. Like body, mind, soul, body, soul, spirit. Like most people on earth have some concept of that. So when we talk about the Trinity and people seem confused, um, I, I wonder why that is. Um, because if you have the Holy Spirit, it's self-explanatory. It's, it's the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit of God. If you have the Father, well, that that is the Father. Um, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. And if so you when have God yeah. created everything in seven days, was that Jesus or was that God the Father? Everything was created through Jesus. But if you want me to finish answering the last question, I can All do right. that. Um, Say so, yeah, so, so you've got the Holy Spirit, which is Spirit. You've got the Father, who is like the the command central, like mind, will, emotions, like what he says goes right. Like he he is in control. Then you have Jesus who represents the physical body. So to some degree, even if it may not perfectly track, especially in Buddhism or some other type of meditative philosophy, they would have some concept of mind, body, spirit. Um, so whenever we talk about the triune nature of God, um, it would be odd for me to hear someone say, well, are you, are you making a joke? Like, how can three persons be one God? Well, if you're coming from Buddhism, you probably believe you have a, a continued part that's going to be reincarnated or you have a spiritual side as well as a physical side. Um, not the same, but similarly, that's what we're talking about. Does that make sense? And then Todd wanted to say something. Yes. Okay, it makes sense. Todd. Yeah. You know, God created uh, through all three, actually. The Father, Son, and Spirit all had part in creation. Uh, Mr. Bill? Welcome. Do you have anything to say? Mr. Bill. Um, Chris? I, I have my you... mic off. Can you hear me? Yep, we hear you. All right. I just heard from Pastor Sam today. Today he's going to be debunking Calvinism. Ugh. What is it with Calvin and Arminian? Comedy. Comedy. Tragedy. It's like a Greek tragedy. Uh, Chris, you still there? Oh, sure. You driving today or? Uh, no, I'm just trying to get this uh, phone number out. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, the point I was going to make a while ago. Uh, yeah, so we'll pay. Uh, Ultimately, it goes back to, you know, Joshua, like 23, how, you know, there's a lot of people with different ideas. Uh, some are complaining about this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, some are not happy with him. Others are. Joshua is. Um, but others want to, you know, go back to other ancestors and other, other gods before. So Joshua finally, like, stops them. He's like, look, guys, uh, do you want to serve no God or the God of your fathers or the God of your ancestors or some other demon God? Um Go ahead, you know, make your choice. But as for me and my family, we will serve this God, the God in the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So um, although I will encourage all day long, like, hey, if you trust my movie recommendations, give give this God of the Bible a shot too. Um, I believe that is right. I believe it's true. And I think if people will just really read the Bible for themselves um, with an open heart uh, and sincere um, want of understanding and pray to this Jesus described in the Bible, 
um, they will start to see it a lot more clearly. Um, but if not, or whatever, that's totally their choice. Um, but then it goes back to your analogy again of the court case. And um, in my humble view, um, that person will be on the wrong side of it. Um, anyway, so I guess that's all I ultimately have to uh, say about that. Well, but then, uh, you know, you know, like um, I engage or interact with the American, uh, the North American um, ex-British colony civilization of the USA, the Star Spangled, what is it, Bang Spangled Banner? Star Spangled Banner. Like to me, it's an entity. And, and then they're, they're um, humans that are using that identity to engage with the world. If, if you give it up, then, you know, then the, the other entity, whatever form it takes, uh, begins uh, representing you and it has its own set of rules. Uh, the one in the U.S. is heavily influenced and dominated by the Christian morale and by this specific book, like even the, the aspect, you know, uh, it, it, aren't you like required to put your hand on the Bible or or like now You're they're trying not. to now now they're trying to stretch it out and, and um, more more inclusive because there are so many Sikhs and there's so many um whatever never native americans that never converted into christianity right because like um like because because it's like a patriarchal religious mode that then you know pe people want to want to also be noble and 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 um uh i don't know it's like i i get it i i understand i don't know maybe does anyone in the audience have anything to say you guys have been there for a while yeah audience <laughs> I'm like this. I don't. I I like being in, in uh like on stage and in in the center of attention. But I also have an uh, a side of me that um uh, requires redirection of uh, direct um, confrontation. Well, let's, uh, <laughs> I, I, let's redirect to Chris. Uh, Chris, got anything we can talk about for a while and uh, let Savolte have a little break? Yeah. Oh, I guess. oh. Well, I was gonna say those. Uh, yes, the library did have the Tuttle Twins books, and oh. I requested there was like ten out of twelve of them. So, uh, yeah. So we're we're gonna let the kids read that. I have. Did cool. I tell you that I I've started them on the uh, New City Catechism? Did I tell you that? No. I was gonna say I am proud of you. It warms my heart a little bit. You you've done a great service um to the to the Christian community on Clubhouse, or at least. At least my family, yeah. So I, I found some good books that weren't just awful, uh, full of like cesspool vomit, and the catechism thing. Yeah, it's like 52 short questions. I don't know if you're supposed to like pay for the rest or if the 52 is a demo. But you know, if my kids are young enough, like that 52 will keep them busy for a while. Um, I think that's like the young kid one. So I think the 52 because it goes all the way to 200 eventually. But that's the shorter catechism. Then there's just the catechism. So the yeah, shorter so I don't know 52. If you're, I don't know if you're supposed to pay for the other or not, but yeah, the 52 no. will keep it busy for a while. Yeah. So the girls like it? Uh, I mean, they said they like it better than reading a normal book. <laughs> so, I mean, whatever. Okay. I mean, it's like, if you, it's like if you ask a kid, like, hey, do you like school? Not many kids are going to say yes, because it's school. But I mean, it's like, well, hey, do you like this better than, you know, um, a worse school or, you know, better than like, you know, going to yeah. bed hungry at night to make oh okay i like school so i mean you, you got, kind of got to kind of got to weigh the responses it's like do you like do you like reading and thinking um compared to video games no it's awful do you like it better than being like cold and homeless oh it's wonderful <laughs> so you gotta you gotta take it in stride 
<laughs> do you do you like this? No, not really. Do you like it better than Spankins? Uh, yeah. Better than eating the worms? Owning nothing, yeah. having nothing, liking it? Um. Anyways. So how did what you did start you? in the New City Catechism with him? You're just like, hey, kids, I got this new thing. Because I know that Todd is going to start with his kids. Uh, well, I had them bring it up. Uh, their school gives them iPads. And um, I, you can't download apps, but we use the web app. So I, uh, you know, I got on Google Chrome, went to it, pulled it up. And I'm like, I bookmarked it. And I'm like, hey. And they're like, I don't know if we're supposed to use our school computer for this. I'm like, uh, they're like, I'm like, what, do your teachers check? They're like, uh, sometimes they check on what we've been doing. I'm like, if they say anything about that, you let me know immediately. Um, <laughs> anyways, so yeah, they're, they're using Nate's their going school. to war with the school, if that's the case. Yeah, I'm like, if I put it on like, you know, Temple of Satan website, you'd probably give them a freaking medal. I'm like, anyway, um, yeah. but it doesn't matter that it's school property, you, you can't, you know, you can't restrict like religious, uh, you know, students doing religious stuff on their own. Anyways, um, but yeah, so we, we use their iPads and we go to it and it's super easy. Like you don't have to log in or sign up or anything. Um, nope. Maybe that's why I can't get the full thing. <laughs> but um, you, you, just log, uh, you just jump onto it and it starts with question one. It says start. It goes to question one. And then it also shows, did you know that? It shows the relevant Bible passages where you're supposed to get the answers off to the yeah. side. Oh, okay. So yeah, so it has the question. And then I'm like, okay, here's what you're supposed to do. And one kid, oh my gosh, the little one, like she tries so hard. Um, she's like, I've been stuck on question three for like 11 minutes. I'm like, what? I'm like, you don't get stuck. And she's like, I can't answer it. I'm like, no, no. I'm like, it's not about that. You just read the question. Then you read the Bible passage and you just try to think what the answer would be. And then you click on show answer. And if you were wrong, well, you know, just try to remember what it said and then go to the next one. I'm like, there's no like right and wrong. Like, you know, you just read the passage. And then after you do this enough times, you start to, you know, know what the answers are going to be. And it just helps you learn that way. Anyway, so, um, yeah, they're like, oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, I just have them go through that. They read the Bible passage because I was having them read, like, um, a chapter of the Bible every day, except it was it was kind of a pain for me because it still had lots of big words, like even the, even the kids' Bibles, because it would still have names of people and cities. And, sure. like, and so I'm like, oh, this is just more work for me. But this is good because it's such a small, a small snippet. And it's relevant, so it's not really talking about like you know name dropping like hard names or cities. It just gives the relevant things for doctrine. So, um, yeah, yeah I think it's great. Yeah, so it's Todd almost and, like uh, centuries of Christians know what they're talking about. <laughs> if I see one thing about uh, about no free will, <laughs> anyways, free will's not um, even mentioned in the Bible. Why would it bring that up? Uh. Yeah, so like some people were asking me about it, and uh, yeah, I think they're gonna they're gonna try to get their kids on it too. Yeah, it's just great. I think it's a good tool. So Dude, uh, all your kids, they're gonna be like catechized, and then they're gonna start really asking you the hard questions. You're gonna have the home edition of Ask a Christian, and you're gonna be stumped and calling me on the phone and being like, "Dude, why are these kids asking these questions?" <laughs> be great. <laughs> Train a child in the way they should go, so when they're old, they will not depart. That'd be great. When they get to high school, they're just going to be like, oh, you weren't catechized? Ew. Well, and there's so many ways that can go, right? Like, like the, it, it, it 
the Bible, man, in a world where people don't like dichotomies or binary choices, I mean, it's, the Bible does a really good job of putting lots of subjects in very black and white categories. So it's like, on one hand, it's like, oh, you mean you're indoctrinating your kids? Well, yes, if it's true, then we want to tell them the correct answer. That's the best possible thing you can do for your kid. Um, so on one hand, you're training up the child in the way you know they should go. Um, on the other hand, someone could say, well, it's just indoctrinating him and blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, you can take that approach. Um, but the Bible also says something about that. It's called sheep and goats. Um, you know, very binary, um, binary choice of animal. Uh, you know, a sheep is a good one. You want to be a sheep, um, even even though, you know, biologically, I mean, you know, sheep are kind of kind of dumb. But I mean, still, that's the right choice because, you know, you're shepherd's Jesus. So don't worry about it. Don't think too deeply. But I mean, compared to a goat, which is told that, that that is that's like the rebel. That's like not the right side of history. Um, and then also, like we were just talking about, right, like the judgment. Uh, you know, you have well done, good and faithful servant entering the kingdom of heaven or depart from me. You workers of lawlessness, I never knew you, that type of thing. So, I mean, no matter what you do, you can take a favorable, like, you know, God-centered, Christ-filled approach and uh, and be on the right side, the favorable, gracious side. Or you can take kind of a cynical, skeptical approach and be on the wrong side. Um, and, you know, it takes one or no one. So I, I, I kind of consider myself, you know, a pretty pretty good cynic and skeptic. Um, so the fact that it's not, not that case on the Bible um, I think that's another like uh, safeguard against pitfalls of just, you know, going along because mommy or daddy tells you to or anything like that. It's like, no, I'm a really skeptical person um, and pretty cynical, too. <laughs> um, so, no, for me to buy into the Bible, um, there's definitely some some scales removed from eyes and definitely some due diligence done um, that I am not so skeptical or cynical about it. It just clicks um, almost like when Jesus says, hey. Pray to him directly and have a conversation with this God um, rather than uh, paraphrasing now, watching endless YouTube videos and debates and talking to pastors and scholars and all kinds of other religions. Um, that's probably not going to get you anywhere. Just do like the handful of things Jesus actually says to do, which is express humbleness and sincerity. Um, be willing to repent. Stop what you know is wrong. Just stop it and ask him to make you born again and give you eternal life. And congratulations. You didn't have to pay anything. You didn't have to go to college. You didn't have to read so many books. You just expressed faith and sincerity of heart and asked him to make you born again and forgive you. Just like that. And then for many people, they will tell you when they hit that part in their life, something just clicks and they just realize the Bible is true. Um, Chris, you feel like sowing a seed now? <laughs> yes. Oh, you haven't you haven't heard uh, Snake Bite Preacher, Chris? Wait, what? No, no, uh, no, no, not today. It's too early. Snake Bill, Bite Preacher. Bill knows. Bill. Is this knows. like handling deadly serpents and drinking poison that type thing? Yeah. No, no, no Nate. No, don't no? go there. <laughs> Dude, you know, if Nate. Bill is warning you against something, you should probably listen. All right. Well, Savope was saying something. Uh, what's I, I love listening to you, but I do filter it through. You're just giving your bet, like an actor giving their all at a casting uh, agent. Like, I really want the best. I want, I really want the part of I'm the best Christian. And um, that's the, that's the filter that it goes through. Of I'm the best. Wait. 
You think? Yeah, yeah, like like the geek, like like the geek, the geek that's practicing Dungeon Dragons, but also practicing the Bible because it's also a game in his set of games that he plays. Um, I'm not quite sure I follow this. Okay, so I'm I'm going through the um through the example of an actor going to a um a casting call, and then there are other actors that are doing the same part, and they need to be really persuasive. Or, okay. or like people, people playing wholeheartedly playing Dungeon Dragons, you know, to to have a really brilliant moment, you really need to get into the gremlin. Okay, so I guess if we're saying this is like cosplay, um, there's no way I could prove it except what I'm about to say. So you know, please don't. But if you do, then all right, fine. Um, but I guess the only way to test if I really mean this, um, or if I'm just trying to be convincing because of something. I mean, I'm certainly not getting rich doing it. Um, but if, if we think we're, I'm just, we're just trying to be like really convincing, I guess the way to test that is, I don't know, hold a gun to my head and ask me if I really believe it or you're going to kill me. And I guess at that moment, we're going to find out if I really believe this stuff or if I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 guys, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. So again, you know, please don't. But if you do, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be like, yes, I believe it. Pull that trigger. Let's go. So, I mean, sounds pretty grim, but... Yeah, it's, like, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of like I, well, I, I saw like I saw this thing about the martyrs and it was like, um, you know, all the disciples and it was like this. Oh, gosh, it was hilarious and, and sad, but <clears throat> it was kind of to that point. Right. And it was saying how, hey, guys, you know, Jesus, like how people will say that it was fabricated and like Jesus didn't rise. The disciples stole his body and then they they, they basically, um, you know, ended up were being put to death for a lie. So it's kind of mocking that uh, ridiculous approach because it's just so nonsensical. And it was like uh, the disciples, I think it was like Peter, and it was in a cartoon like parody format. He's like, hey, guys, I have a great idea. They're like, what's that? He's like, you know, Jesus died, right? Um, so so we're going to take his body and, and hide it so no one can ever find him. And then we're going to say that he rose from the dead. And they're like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, this is good, this is good. And then what? He's like, and then you're going to be mocked and stoned and humiliated and persecuted. And they're like, wait wait what and what do we get for this do we get like women and riches he's like no you're gonna end up being killed in the most horrific ways possible you're gonna be like crucified you're gonna be upside down you're gonna be fed to lions you're gonna be torn apart limb from limb they're like so so what do we get for this he's like it doesn't matter let's just do it okay who's with me and they're like uh 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 anyways so that kind of makes me think of that right because it's like why would you die for a lie so if you really um if any of that held validity, like, you that know, was, of course, the that was an Oscar winning. But in my in my uh, Oscar uh, ceremony in my head, that was an Oscar winning performance. Oh, well, then thank you. Um, give me give me money. Not for sharing the gospel. That's free. But, you know, for, I guess, my extracurricular performances. Um, anyways, uh, will will 50 <laughs> rubles help you? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It's, it's no. Uh, my my Oscar performances are you're rejecting. Free. You're rejecting the rubles. Uh, sure. What is that? Like fifty cents? That's half a dollar. So yes, fifty cents. Yes. And with uh, with my uh, charismatic portraying of the gospel, also comes basic basic math lessons. <laughs> Anyways, no, but I mean that's that's it. And by the way, is my my retelling of the of the little parody thing I saw. So whoever that author was, they they need the credit. But seriously, I mean, we talk about that a whole lot. Because it's like, well, why would you die for something you you believe is a lie? You wouldn't. Like, no no reasonable person is gonna like is gonna die for something that they don't even believe is true. So, 
Um, and then the counter as well, it just means they believe it. Yes, so let's start there. I mean, it doesn't automatically mean think their claims are true, but it does mean that they really, really, really believe it. And basically, uh, get back to the argument of the veracity of the Bible again, like uh, if, say, you're an actor auditioning for a part and reading uh, the script, you know, and the Bible is the script, you know, you don't force your belief on the script, you know, but you just go ahead and and believe the script and we don't believe because of our own veracity but we just believe it's objective objectively true to believe the bible uh, chris yeah i don't i can't decide if he's being insulting or not <laughs> like as if you're like as if you're faking it or something i don't know like weird well, I mean, that's the only way to test it, right? So, you know, put a gun to my head if you're willing to murder someone for the answer, and let's find out if we believe this or not. Was that, was that too too dark? That's kind of dark. Hey, June Kim is here. I haven't seen June Hey, June. Forever. Long time no see. How's it going? Yeah, I'm great. Uh, I, I, I want to say, like, let's not waste time on... The Bonjour guy. I don't know about Brother Miller, though, but yeah. Great to see you. Great, uh, Chris. Great to see you, Nate. Oh, Babdicostal. Hey, I, I see you. Good to see you, too, June. Babdicostal, I think I've recently adopted when someone says, hey, what what are you? Blah, blah, blah. I, I think there there is great appeal for me to say Babdicostal. <laughs> just, just. Shout out. You're not alone. <laughs> well, and now Calvinist Nate is doing the catechism with his kids, so. Man, oh, I'm, getting, I'm racking up the W's. Yes, just you serve your Lord Calvin very well. Did, did you guys watch the debate uh, between James White and uh, Trent Horn on Sola Scriptura? I'm trying to forget it. Just no. you're ruining my day, bringing can it someone, up. How long was it, and can someone summarize it? It's two hours, and Trent Horn wiped the floor with James White because James White thought he was still having a debate from 1991. And um, just oh, well, didn't you engage. thought so, too. Yeah, he just oh, didn't yeah, engage uh, with Trent Horn at all. Who, which, which, uh, which side are these guys coming from, or what's like their... James White is reformed, and the... Uh, uh, Trent Horn is a Catholic, Catholic Answers, Catholic Answers guy. But did, did oh, you know? see, oh. so sorry. Okay. Yeah. So you want to be on the side of James White, but you're ashamed now because he did a bad, bad job. I mean, I think that he did a very terrible job, but uh, apparently, uh, many Eastern Orthodox and Catholics thought that actually, uh, Trent Horn didn't wipe the floor. So I, I, I'm a bit like shocked. And many of them were not happy with Trent Horn's performances either. <laughs> so I, 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 I really wanted to talk about it if some people watched it. I tried to I make not. a room, but no one was coming at all. Welcome and to my world. Was, <laughs> and there were some points where I felt like I, I should discuss LC. 
what kind of answers people would give because like there were uh, some points in the debate where like Chen really raised some valid points and I was like I was really trying to think about coming up with the answer but uh, there are some answers that I came up with but uh, other questions I, I I really don't know his premises were ridiculous and James White just didn't deal with his premises at all like and in the in the purgatory debate like I just had to turn it off because like you know Trent Horner were premise one and it was outrageous. It was like begging the question. And I'm just like, you just put the answer in your premise one. Like, no, I fully reject premise one. And James White didn't do that. James White is like, well, let's deal with your argument. And then he didn't deal with the argument. Pissed me off. I, I'm talking about uh, Tosukutora debate though. No, I did watch the No, he did it in both debates. He didn't deal with the premises in either of the debates. What was the other debate? Yeah. I, I think like, the one thing, the one key takeaway was for me, like Trent Horn was saying that James White was contradicting himself, especially uh, since he says that uh, um, in the biblical times of the first century, there's only one central authority. But then um, he admits that uh, in the time of Ignatius, like in the late first century to early second century, like people didn't really know people really did have the full canon back then. So uh, Trent Horn was talking about how if there was a full consistent single authority with just the scriptures, but then at the same time you admit that they didn't have all the scriptures, how how can they actually have that single legitimate authority? I, I don't think the Trent Horn actually answered that at all. Do you want to say, Nate? Uh, no. And You said two debates. What was the other debate about? So there's two debates. There was one on Sola Scriptura, right? So this is James White, who wrote a book about Sola Scriptura, right? And, you know, so not a slacker. Um, and then the other one was on Purgatory. And, I mean, the Purgatory one should just be a slam dunk. It's super easy. Like, my 14-year-old could defeat Trent Horn on Purgatory. Like, no sweat. Like, it's easy. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case. Okay. What was your oh, I 100% know that is the case. Like, all he, he would do is look at those premises that Trent Horn laid out for purgatory, and they're so stupid that he would just mock him the rest of the debate for even making those premises because they're so stupid. Like, I mean, like, yeah, the, Trent Horn did a terrible job on purgatory. The problem is, is that James White did a worse job on purgatory. <laughs> um. <laughs> what do you think about the source of though? Do you think that, like, Trent Horn did a, did they both of them did a terrible job? It, w it was similar, or do you feel like both of them did a terrible job? And I think both of them did a terrible job. I think I think Trent Horn's stuff on Sola Scriptura was so transparent and stupid, and just dumb. Like I'm not like mocking his his intelligence. I'm mocking his arguments because the arguments I've heard a million times and they're just so dumb and they're so retreaded. And I'm just like, this is what you, this is the best you got, I guess. Okay, cool, cool, cool story, bro. But then James White is just like doddering around, thinking he's still having a debate in 1991. Uh, you know, as if he's completely he's seen it. He's 61. He, so he's like, 61. I think he's in his 70s. No, he's 61, and he's acting like that, dude. That this is what's wild to me. Is he ill or something like that? Like I don't know. Like maybe. Well, he's Calvinist. <laughs> hey, there you go. Sorry. 
<laughs> what it is is that all the talking heads, such as James White and Leighton Flowers and all these people, are making a good living keeping the fight alive. You know, if they gave got Chris up there or his son, and he got gave an irrefutable answer, you know, the that would call cause everything all the problems to go away but you know talking heads they need to make a living but oh, Chris, that, you, that is an interesting sorry. uh take but chris do you think that i uh i was uh, i was do you think my assessment of the debate was okay like do you actually think like jace white contradicted himself when Trent horn brought out about the, the authority no james white didn't contradict himself but well, he didn't properly answer Trent Horn. The answer to the Ignatius thing is like, even a partial canon is still the authority. Like, and the reason that they would vet people to find out who their teacher was is it wasn't a foolproof thing. They were just trying to figure out like who taught them to see if they were a heretic right off the bat. And then they would examine what they said based on the scripture. And they did have a bunch of the scripture. They had the Old Testament. Um, and And most of the time, even in Ignatius's time, I mean, Ignatius quotes from Paul all over the Pauline epistles. So to say he didn't have access to the canon, he may not have had access to a completed canon. It still doesn't matter. He had access to New Testament books and Old Testament books by which he generated his authority. And you can pull the quotes of Irenaeus talking about that the only authority we have is from sacred scripture. Over well, and over point, again. Because surely he would have had, like, you know, some of the Paulian letters, right? And that, you know, constantly talks about how he was reasoning from the scriptures, from the Old Testament, that they undoubtedly would have had full copies of. So it's like all you need, like, yeah, you don't need the whole canon. You just need, like, a couple little tidbits of the New Testament. And from that, like, you know, you can see how, you know, Paul will have the gospel message. But then he says how he gets that and how he reasoned uh, from the scriptures, which were the Old Testament, uh, with people. So there's no excuse. But for me, like James White clearly admitted that Clement of Rome did appeal to certain sources outside of scripture, right? So that's why for me, I felt that that was a big blow on his part. But in terms of Irenaeus, like, I don't know if we have evidence to suggest that uh, he called um, main passage from the gospels as scripture. So when he talks about the canon of the scripture, uh, it can be it can most it may be just the Old Testament, not the New. But either way, as you say, like uh, they will still consider what Jesus said that the gospel's authoritative, right? Even of if they didn't they call it scripture, they I mean, he clearly quoted it to refute the heretics. He clearly thought uh, the gospels are clearly um, used for apologetic purposes, also not just for liturgical purposes, right? As you say, like, he clearly says scripture is a pillar of faith. Mm-hmm. Right, and and he did see the Gospels as scripture. Like, if you read enough Irenaeus, or, I mean, well, we don't know how much of Irenaeus is actually Irenaeus, but there's a bunch of forgeries, but... Um, I mean, look, the early church fathers, they universally looked on the writings of the apostles. The, right, the apostles themselves looked at each other as writing scripture. I mean, we don't even have to go to the early church fathers. We have Peter declaring Paul's letters scripture. Like, duh. So I, I mean, like he called it scripture. He says that Paul's writing is authoritative. No, he says they're scripture. Go back and read the passage. Okay. Can you, okay. Uh, okay. 
you know, I, I never like the formalities of like, you know, by the time someone's like, okay, premise one, I'm out. <laughs> it's, it's just too, it's just too formal and like staunch and like, eh, it's too stuffy. It's like yeah, I too excited because I know I can dismantle their argument. Like it's like they're like giving me a roadmap to destroy them. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> ooh, destroy see, them with what? love, right? Well, destroy right. them in debate. It's like the Anakin Skywalker mean. Destroy them with love and Christian charity, right? right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Edwin, what's up? Welcome. Happy President's hey. Day. <laughs> happy President's Day. Happy if there's President's a president Day. you're happy about. Uh, 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 sorry. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, Chris, I, I just looked at, uh, are you referring to Peter, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 16? Which verse are you actually referring to? This, uh, no, I don't remember I, the address. I got to look because it up. It, I see. Yeah. Because it says that um, as an It's the one where it says, like, and some people will twist even the writings of Paul because he talks about difficult things. I see. And he's talking in the same breath. He's talking about scripture. So the implication yeah. is that he's seeing Paul as holy writ, same as the Old Testament. Okay, good. I can see. Okay. But I mean, the, I don't know if he called uh, Paul's letter as scripture, but he says, "As they do other scriptures." Okay, yeah. As do other scriptures. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, like, all that crap was easily refuted. Like, I, I've debated, like, not debated formally, but just, like, you know, had discussions with, you know, Roman Catholic apologists. And, I mean, like, these things are super easy. It's like, they don't like it, you know. They really don't like church history. Like, man, you take them away from their sanitized version of church history and you start reading them, like, primary documents and they just melt away. It's fantastic. My favorite new one on EO, Jun, is um, Ciro Lucanus, Lucaris. Are you familiar with this dude? No, I'm more uh, into the uh, the more well-known types, like Athanasius, Jasmar, Polycarp, like those. Yeah, these, this guy's late, so he's like 16th century. Um or I guess 17th century, 1620s. Anyway, so he is the bishop, or not the bishop, whatever, the patriarch of uh, Constantinople, pardon me, Constantinople. And he decides, like, by the way, we need to uh, translate the Greek New Testament into modern Greek. So he does so and publishes it, which was a great scandal. Um, and then uh, he also starts getting letters from some of the reformers and decides that he looks through the scripture, reads it in the original Greek and becomes a Calvinist and is like, yes, this is correct. This is Pauline theology. And then attempts to like make the Eastern Orthodox church like into a Protestant Calvinist church. And of course, what did they do? They responded by murdering him. Hey, on that topic, it's Edwin, fun. you were trying to say something about five minutes ago, right? Oh, uh, no, it's, um, no, it's okay. I, I kind of, I was going to, 
Yeah, I think the passage you're referring to, uh, Chris, is 2 Peter uh, 3.16, where Peter refers to Paul as the first him as uh, our beloved brother, Paul, and puts his writings on the same uh, level as other scriptures. So, but um, can I bring up another uh, issue? Yes, okay? please. Uh, yeah, no, okay. Um, let's see. Uh, um. So in Isaiah 26, 10, actually, you know what? Let me gather my thoughts first before I start talking. <laughs> Let me, I'll just give me a minute. Give me a few minutes. All right. Thank you. All right, guys, back to 600 year old writings. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, Polycarp, Ignatius, what's up? Did I, did I kill the mood? Dude, if you ever want to, if, do you ever have trouble sleeping, Nate? Uh, not really, no. Oh, okay. Well, if you ever do have trouble sleeping, I would suggest you look up the old uh, church fathers and start reading them. You will be sleeping like a baby in, I mean, five, I six minutes. But why would you read, I mean, besides like intellectual study and pursuit and sort of like refute bad arguments, like why would you, I, I mean, maybe that's my question. Like you don't read, do you read church fathers for like, theology or do you just read it for like extra stuff because i mean history you know, sola scriptura yeah i mean i read it for history like i mean like the church fathers are boring and their theology sucks most of the time <laughs> so i mean like come on you have to say some some of them are interesting though it, it can get interesting it can get interesting but like some of them are just you know it's like you know the old uh the old scholastics that would debate you know, how many angels could hit fit on the head of a needle, you know, it's like, <laughs> it gets to that kind of level crap, and you're just like, yeah, this is dumb, like, why are we talking about this? Oh, because some skeptic, you know, somewhere, because they're always responding to people, like, this is why you can't get theology proper from the church fathers, is because they weren't writing theology, they were responding to people it, most of the time. But theology yeah. comes from responding to people. I mean, the scripture is a byproduct of, like, especially the New Testament, especially John's gospel, it's most likely a refutation to the docetists, right? I mean... Or it's a gospel. Likely, hmm? I mean, like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like... Yeah, you get theology from theology proper. So, like, you get theology from a systematic theology, like, or a biblical theology, you know, this is not what the early church was writing. They were busy, like, gathering their scrolls up so they didn't get burned and fed to lions. Like, they didn't, <laughs> they did not have time <clears throat> to sit there and be like, hmm, let me think about the nature of the hypostatic union. Oh, is that a knock at the door? Ruh-roh. <laughs> Ruh-roh. Uh, Origin kind of did develop hypostatic union fairly well, in my opinion. I, I kind of, I mean, I'll give props to that, though. Yeah, except for but, the whole thing about him being a heretic. But, you know. But for me, what interests me the most is about, like, you know, uh, Eusebius of uh, Cicera, Socrates as well. Yeah. Like, if you look at their historical accounts, it's kind of interesting. And the way how church dealt with her heresies over time and everything else is kind of, like, interesting, though. Right. But also, you know, all the Marian doctrines that everybody knows and loves and, like, my PTR there. You can oh, see boy. that. We're back to that. You guys like my PTR? 
Stare at the glory. Is it more milk? Yeah. Oh, here's a good one. Random, feel free to join us. He says in chat, theology is around because the book was not enough. Oh, no. It's just theology. It's the study of God. It's just people expounding upon what is in the scripture. It's not that we're discovering new things about God. It's that we're, you know, just talking about, we're just having conversations like we are right now about these facts. It's not like we're coming up with new facts in theology. Yeah, like, for example, when, you know, the Bible says repent, and you're like, what is repent? It's like, stop doing what you know is wrong. It's like, oh, okay. Well, that's not new theology. It's just, hey, you needed help understanding stuff. So now we you just expounded it. Yeah. Like, see, stop it. Stop it. Like a <laughs> how do you spray say bottle that? Like, with a cat. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that meme. Like, how, 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 how do you properly pronounce that? Like, not stop it, but like where it's like S-T-H-A-P, like stop it, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> like, it's a proper pronunciation of that. Yeah, it's just, ugh. Anyway, but, um, yeah, I mean, the Church Fathers had a lot of interesting things to say, but like, in, in one sense, you're getting insight. In the next sense, you're getting, like, complete heresy. And you're just like, no, that is not even <laughs> remotely what the Scripture teaches. And Origen's a perfect—and and Clement of Alexandria is a perfect example of this— is that they were the main progenitors of people believing in a Gnostic gospel called the Proto-Evangelion of James. And so they were promoting this Gnostic gospel as a true gospel— and this is where most of the Marian doctrines come from, from Roman Catholicism. Is like, I like to say, like, the church went on, but the Catholic church became Gnostic, you know, and that is true. And so you've got to have this secret knowledge about Mary passed down through quote unquote apostolic tradition, which wasn't apostolic tradition at all. It was just a Gnostic gospel that they were like, you know, this sounds pretty good. Chris, do you think, in your view of God forcing his will upon people, that yes. um, when Catholicism kind of went this way, he forced them to adopt this deep, deep Marian doctrine? Because if they had not, Catholicism would be palatable to a lot more people. Um, so do you think God in his sovereignty is like, I shall not allow your heresy to spread, therefore... I'm going to make you adopt stuff that's so crazy that um, it's going to prevent you from getting otherwise a whole lot more people. Because <laughs> when I hear Catholic people talking about just like scripture stuff, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And, you know, they can even explain the work stuff away enough um, that I'm like, okay, I can read between the lines. I can, I, I see what you're saying. But then it's like, hey, Mary, I'm like, wait, what? It's like Mary goddess of the universe like what I idolatry no no it's veneration it's like bro no so i think that may i mean score another one for calvinist nate um that that may be something else like what what are your honest what are your funny thoughts on that and then what's your honest thoughts on that like do you think there could be something to that like they they just it's like how like you know like satanist or like evil tells you what it's going to do it like projects and like um you know, it's like how, how you see like people in like Satanists, it's like a thing for like a like in, informed consent or something. It's like how they have to tell you what what's going to happen so you can like willingly go apart to like be part of the sacrifice or the ritual. Do you think somehow it's like a universal law or like God ordained this? Like if you're going to like try to mess up the gospel so much, 
you're really going to have to adopt some crazy crap to like show people how crazy it is. I don't know. I mean, I can't agree with like Chris that there are some. Extre- are you quite familiar with the uh, Nice Templar, Nate or Chris? Like, there's some really yeah. crazy views of like Mary. Like, so there's two Mary. So the Holy Spirit is also like Lady Wisdom, and then uh, Mary is actually the incarnation of of the Holy Spirit. Or Lady yep. Wisdom, and then um, Mar- Mary Magdalene is another incarnation of uh, who of the dark spirit or the dark nature of Lady Wisdom or Lilith, uh, and, and like they have some like crazy views about that. Uh, the Church Fathers clearly uh, didn't really understand Lady Wisdom, and there's a lot of debate about that. Even if you look at some of the commentaries that they have with like Wisdom. Of Solomon, uh, mm-hmm. and also Sirach as well. I mean, it, it gets it gets so complicated because Lady Wisdom is clearly called a tabernacle. Uh, it was a she served as a dwelling place for the Lord, but to say that she's a handmaiden, she's also the mother of fair love and holy hope. All these are the titles that uh, Mary have, uh, Lady Wisdom have at the same time. Uh, I mean, it goes on and on, but yep. for me, you're I mean, I clearly think, personally for me, I want to know what you guys think. And I, I, I raised this to, like, Mahmoud and other, like, Catholic apologists, and there, there's no answer. And so I, I tried to raise this question to Michael Lofton. He refused to answer me and refused to reply to me at all. And I would love so to see question? how willing... Really, so I'm still waiting on Chris to answer my question. What about the Mary thing? Do you, do you think it's, like, ordained that they have to, like, take in some of that because otherwise it would be more convincing to people except that's like a giant red flag i mean i i mean i, I don't know what the the purposes in the mind of god are i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try to figure that out but like just for fun just for fun yeah sure i mean you know it's like i, I mean like all these cults have such outrageous beliefs i mean look at sda look at jw look at you know mormons look at church of christ like all of these folks you know like the the stonites they hate when you call them that um Wait, which ones you know, are the Stoneites? They're like the Duck Dynasty people. Oh, Church of Christ. Church of Christ, yeah. Well, what, where um, do they get Stoneites from? What? Because one of their main founders was named Stone. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, like, uh, they're like the Stone. Ah, I forgot the other. There's like a. There's like a hyphenated. Anyway. Um, are you talking about the International Church of Christ? No, I'm talking about okay. the. I'm talking about the Boston Church of Christ and, you know, its offshoots and then the, the yeah, left the radical offshoot, the, the offshoots is the ICC is an offshoot. Oh, is it? Yeah. Of Boston? Yeah. It came from is it Boston. active in Korea? No, it's not. It's, it's uh, active in U.S. and Canada. I, I just uh, followed with one hmm. ICC member. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah okay, I, 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 I felt like. Anyway, so yeah, Nate, answer to your question, I, you know, sure, man. Like, yeah, I mean, like, all the cults have something wacky. I mean, but then again, dude, Christianity's pretty weird, you know? Like, we believe that, like, God is going to scrape up the molecules and atoms of our bodies and reconstruct them <laughs> at a later date, you know, to, to give us a glorified body. I mean, that's a pretty wild thing to believe, and that's what uh, the Bible but... teaches. But for me, I feel like JW and all these movements, except Catholicism and maybe even, I would, I would say, some variation of Eastern Orthodoxy, I feel like it's just a delusion or just 
like a very bad misreading of the Bible or just a very, very corrupt guy uh, that just greedy, maybe demonically influenced. But uh, I just think they just, he's just greedy, very simple, and just trying to manipulate people. But I really think uh, they, you're touching something here. Like there's really some, like I really think there is a demonic activity in terms of, um, in terms of Mary, because um, so this is a question that I that um, many Catholics refuse to answer. They have no idea, or something just literally said that the church became corrupted. So uh, starting from John Paul II and Pope Benedict the sixteen, um, they uh, allowed a student. Uh, they allowed uh, a scholar, Martin Thunberg, who was a um, student of. Vladimir Soloyev uh, to enter the church. So Vladimir Soloyev was an Eastern Orthodox theologian in the 18, in the nine, in the nineteenth century. Uh, do you do you know this, Chris? So basically, apparently he's a lady wisdom, and uh, he decided to um, come up with a systematic uh, process to try to understand what lady wisdom is. He he thought it was the divine feminine. It was literally the female manifestation of God. Technically, the Holy Spirit, uh, and eventually, um, Ser Sergius Bugakov and Valentin Tomba were one of their lo most loyal and top students, uh, and they decided to um, come up with a notion that um, there's there's in the hypostasis there's also a fourth member, but it's, it's still the Trinity. So Valentin Tomba apparently suggested that. Um, Mary, there's a trinity within Mary. So there's uh, the mother, which is Lady Wisdom, daughter, which is um, Mary, Virgin, Virgin Mary, and then the Holy Soul, which is pretty much the Holy Spirit. Um, that's the way how he articulated. And he never rejected those beliefs. Uh, John Paul II, knowing that he had these beliefs and published them, uh, decided to bring him to the church. Um, eventually, John Paul II, um, in when he he was take when he took with the photo, he per, he had his book. He had Tumber's book where he talks about how Mary is a female incarnation of the Holy Spirit in his nightstand. Now he he actually. Publicly. I did not know that, dude. Yeah, uh, he actually publicly like talked well about it, right? But then when Pope when Pope Benedict came along, Cardinal Bon Valtasar uh, wrote a review about Valentin Tumber's work. Okay, and he he says that the Shekinah, um, the the divine feminine, uh, whatever he said is reconcilable to Catholicism. Okay, and shortly after. He became a cardinal, okay? And he never withdrew these beliefs at all. This is Ratzenberger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ratzinger. And so Ratzinger, for me, yeah, and, yeah. And, and you know what's very funny is that when somehow people who start to, uh, who start to like secretly, who start to suddenly endorse Martin Thunberg's uh, idea, belief system that, Mary is the incarnation of the Holy Spirit, right? We start to see co-redemptrix. And many people are trying to uh, introduce it as the fifth Mary dogma. 
I mean, for me, I, I felt like this is the, this not even a coincidence. This is not a coincidence. This is just <laughs> what do you think? Like, I I just felt like oh, these people came into the church and suddenly Corey John people are talking about Corey Dedrick's. This is clearly not co- coincidence. This is a deliberate setup, and the the popes have been secretly bringing people that believed that Mary is literally a goddess. That, that within the Trinity, within the Trinity, there's all there's more than one incarnation. Not just Jesus, Mary is also an incarnation of the Trinitarian God. And when I asked this question, right? So I, I asked I, when I asked with Catholic, what do you think about this? And why would a Pope knowingly, okay, bring people that endorse these beliefs and and make them cardinals? They had no answer. Of course not. Interesting. Well, hey, uh, uh, there, there's some other. For, hang, hang, hang on, sorry. there's some other people. That is way yeah, too yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- there's some other people, and I have a question about vampires first. Chris, um, <laughs> he mentioned Lilith, and I heard someone else talk about her uh, recently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have okay. a question about vampires so, first. <laughs> Lilith, um, you there's can, like you can't what, make the, this stuff up, Nate. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> There's like one passage that says like Lilith somewhere in the Bible. Um, This is like, I think so. This is like a harder case to make than the Nephilim. Um, So uh, was like, what do you know, like theologically sound or talked about this, not just like fan fiction about this chick. And is there anything (laughs) like, I know the theory is like that she was, she was like uh, Adam's first wife who was rebellious and God like cast her away. And she like turned evil and demonic and it so what do you know in all of your religious historical text that address uh this chick uh i mean if she is somewhere in the scripture i would like to know where like i've never come across that verse okay I'll, 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 look. I, times. I mean, I'll try to look i think i think there was a i think the word lilith is in there somewhere um, Weird. I, I, anyway, I, I could. I could. This be wrong. is Jewish mythology that is all about like, you know, telling. It, it was used originally as an illustration to talk about you know the willfulness of women, et cetera, et cetera. So like, is a whole bunch of like Wiccan stuff has grown up around Lilith, you know, because they you know they they want to use the the Jewish mysticism as part of their Wiccan traditions and all this stuff. Um, there is absolutely no biblical theology. There's no systematic theology that has anything to do with Lilith. This is all completely made up. And I, from, I wish rabbi were here because we could ask him, but from what I understand, it was originally just an example given in the Mishnah. Um, and I, and I may be misspeaking. It may not even be in the Mishnah, maybe Kabbalah, but like, there's simply an example of one rabbi talking about a willful woman, and then that blew up into a whole dialogue about like, you know, who this chick was, and give her gives her a backstory, and it's like so this is bad Twilight to... fan fiction. So, so this is nothing to do with like proper Orthodox Judaism. This would be just yeah, like like some offshoot, like what um, would would Jewish people call that a cult? Like what, like would that be to Judaism how Mormonism is to Christianity? I'm not going to answer. I don't. I, I mean, 
like I said, I wish Rabbi were here because he could straighten us out on it. I just don't know, and I'm not qualified to answer that question. All right. Uh, uh, Random, I, I think you came up here for, for a reason of something we were already talking about. Um, so real quick, uh, brother, did you have anything to say first about anything? Uh, other brother. Brother John. I was just looking at um, y'all on Discord because I downloaded it. A while back, and I was trying to follow y'all on there. So, do y'all get on there as well? Uh, yeah. If there's ever an actual question, people will answer them. But usually, it's just a place for sketchy memes. Okay. But we will answer <laughs> questions on there. Yes. It's just been it's just been invaded. Oh, Nate, that reminds me. Yeah, I just seen y'all and I hopped on. Yeah. Sure. So, well, welcome. Yeah, welcome, man. Um, so the Council of the Calvinists which apparently we have now, um, has decided that AAC is going to be our new morning hangout. And so they are all excited about helping you answer questions from a biblical perspective. So you're going to start seeing a lot more of the Calvinists come in here and hang out with you and just be really nice. Oh, in this room? Yeah. Oh, okay. So like Calvinists, known for being nice. <laughs> they're that's gonna right. bring their yeah. <laughs> that's my reputation on here, Randy. They're gonna bring the Calvin. I'm gonna teach them compassion. <laughs> hey, Nate. Compassion. Yeah, yeah. What's up? Oh, can, can I? Uh, is, is it okay? Can I chime in? Uh, my uh, yeah, yeah. No sorry, sorry if I took a while. Sorry about that. This kind of relates to Calvinism. Um, the uh, Proverbs twenty-one one uh, says that the heart. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turns it whoever he wants. Right. So um, the psalm is using the metaphor, my understanding of um, irrigation, right, where a gardener would make various channels and divots in the soil to manipulate. This is the key to manipulate the water, to make it do what he wants. So he's not... He's not changing the nature of the water. He understands the nature of the water. And he's manipulating the environment. He knows how it will affect the water. So do you think this sheds light on how God controls the heart of the king? He controls the environment. He controls things outside of the heart of the king. He knows the, the nature of the heart of the king. But he controls the environment to manipulate the heart of the king. So he's controlling it, but he's not overriding his will. He just understands the nature of the king, the king's heart, and he changes, alters the environment to manipulate the king. Does that, does that make sense? I don't know. It's a, that was a mouthful, but. Uh... Let, me, let me see if I can restate your question. Does God change the actual heart of the king, or does he change the environment in which that heart is performing well, actions? Well, again, like, well, what the, the, just to read the verse again, it says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and as the rivers of water, he turns it however he wants. Now, again, the, the, the rivers of water is, a, I understand it's, an, it's a reference to a method of irrigation where the gardener would make channels in the soil right, to manipulate the water, right? So he's controlling the water through external means, not by uh, changing the nature of the water, but by changing the environment to manipulate the water. And it seems like Solomon is using this as a metaphor to describe how God controls the heart of a king. He's, this is what I'm, I'm struggling with. Like, is it because he 
he doesn't change the heart of the king, but he, he manipulates the environment, just as the gardener manipulates the soil. He changes the soil to manipulate the water, as a so that it, you know. Does that make sense? Um. If Chris, Chris wants to respond, I have something after he does. Yeah, go ahead, man. That's right. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I would say that God uses all sorts of means to accomplish his will. Um, you know, and, you know, in some cases it's, it's that, what we talked about earlier, regeneration, right? Where God is regenerating or, like, swapping out one heart for another, right? He takes out the heart of flesh. I'm sorry, takes out the heart of stone, gives you a heart of flesh. That's one type of him intervening. Another type would be to change the circumstances around your actions. Sure. Yeah, so, no, I got I got you. But, but, but say what we're dealing with, like, say, unconverted people or sinful people, and God wants them to do something. Like, for example, the, the crucifixion. We know that God predetermined from Acts... Uh, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, that was because of God's determinate uh, plan and his will. He, he decreed that would come to pass, and it seems that, well, he didn't put the sinful desire to do that. He, it seems like he manipulated the environment, things out, out, outside of the heart of sinful man to lead people to make that decision to crucify Jesus. So he's controlling their heart through external means. Just like a, a gardener manipulates the water, not by changing the nature of the water. He understands the nature of the water. It, it flows to like the lowest level and so forth, but he, he alters the environment to manipulate the water. So it seems that maybe God manipulates the environment, the culture, however he does that, to utilize the sinful heart of man to make them do what he wants them to do, like crucify Jesus. I'm sure there's a better way to put it. It's, it's, no, you know, no, I understand what you're talking about. Yeah, go ahead. I guess your question is, is God using coercion? And the answer um, to that would be no. Oh, no, I'm not saying coercion. I'm, I'm just, it's... No, I know you're not. I, 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 yeah, I mean, you're... Yeah, coming, yeah. You're, yeah, I know where you're coming from, but like... Yeah. Your, like, your question is more like, could, could this be construed as coercion? And the answer to that is going to be no, because remember... Back to, to Nate's favorite compatibility thing, as he says, um, you know, the, the free will choices that you are going to make are simply compatible with the sovereign decree that God has already made. And that even if there were no God, which is not really a possibility, but like just hypothetically, and he didn't have a decretive will, you would still do the exact same actions that you do now because you are simply tethered to your nature. You're going to do your greatest desire at that moment, whether it's wise or unwise or whatever. And so same thing with like, so Nate, I was teasing you a little earlier today about Isaiah chapter 10 verses five through 19. Um, and the content of that chapter is the Lord saying, <laughs> I will tell the king of Assyria. Basically, he's like, he's treating the king of Assyria as his meat puppet. And he's just like, you are going to do these things. You're going to grind my children's teeth into the soil. You're going to like murder my beloved children. You're going to do all of these things because I command it that you will, king of Assyria, destroy my beloved people, Judah. And then 
In the latter half of the passage, he turns right around and says, and by the way, because you destroyed my people, Judah, these are the judgments I am going to heap upon you. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. right. You know, you know, the passage I'm talking about, right? It's yes, crazy. I do. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Okay. I have an answer. And then random, okay. I promise we're coming right to you, to your okay. real life question. Oh, okay. Let's just, let's put a pin in this one real quick. So basically we don't have a reconciliation for between, you know, man's responsibility and God's decree. We just don't like we, it's a mystery. We're going to chalk it up to mystery and we're just going to call it a day and be like, yep, God is sovereign. I got nothing. Okay. Uh, there you go, Edwin. All right. So this is a combination between man and machine here. All right. So, uh, yes, the word of Lilith appears once in the Hebrew Bible, just like I thought, in Isaiah 34, 14. However, many oh, translations... Wait, 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 slow down, slow down, slow down. Isaiah 34, 13? 14. However, many translations prefer different terms like night creature or screeching owl or night hag. Uh, in this verse, Lilith refers to a creature inhabiting desolate places, not the character, uh, popularly associated with what what i thought was people will take it from adam's uh first wayward wife or something like that from jewish folklore um, this is different so uh not lilith and generous uh, genesis um this is a different lilith like some sort of screeching demon or night owl or something like that um so anyways um it seems like no actual translation that ai can find has the word lilith it's one of those things that are screeching night owl or something like that um however doing a little digging, I go to Strong's Concordance, and sure enough, um, so the Hebrew word, let me get a pronunciation here, one moment, Strong's H3917, Lilith, Lilith, okay, so feminine noun, uh, let's see, uh, <laughs> a, night, a night creature or screeching owl, um, the outline would be Lilith, uh, the name of a female goddess known as a night demon who haunts the desolate places of Edom. Um, oh, so she's an Edomite. Yeah. So, or is she haunting because they're Edomites and she is not, and she's haunting the Edomites? Okay. So the answer is uh, yes. Lilith is in the Bible in Isaiah thirty-four fourteen. However, this is wholly different from the people that talk about Lilith being the first chick or whatever in Adam and Eve story. Um, it's completely different, and this would be some sort of like demon goddess um, that all the other translations. Uh, turn into screeching owl or some sort of terror on the land. Uh, there you go. Uh, there's your vampire Christian study for today. Nay, did you get, did you read the chat message that I sent? When? Where? I sent it in the text. So I said that like probably this is just this is not really historical and it probably it really didn't really uh, it's not rooted in. Uh, ancient rabbinical Judaism, but most likely we know for sure in history people did claim to have encounterings with this demon and actually had a personal relationship with her. Uh, and uh, maybe like probably this demon told these people a lie. If you don't believe that, uh, you know, these people, maybe do you believe in demons, Nate? There's some people think that, you know, some cessationists that I thought to say there's also such Demons can't exist anymore either. <laughs> yeah, I think demons so, are real. Okay, okay, that okay. So I where mean, did you send the text at? I can't find. I don't on Discord or what? Where did you send a text? I didn't get anything. No, no, in the room chat. Oh no, I I didn't see that. 
Yeah, so basically, I just meant to say, like, there are some reports by people. I actually know someone uh, that claimed to see Lilith. I actually have a relationship. I I, I, I just uh, just ran away from that individual. Okay. Uh, well, I prom- I prom- hey, man, I promise Random would get to him. He's been waiting for, like, ever. Yeah. I was just going to say, I posted the verse in LSB, which renders it night creature. And the, the Hebrew word is Lilith. Um, and, uh, it's interesting. So now I'm going to do a study on this because, you know, when you try to, it's the internet sucks. It's like, come back to tomorrow a with vamp- a vampire and demon study about Willis. All right. That'll be cool. <laughs> yeah. But like, dude, you tried, I tried to search and it just gave me all of the modern nonsense. And I'm like, I just want to know if the Hebrew word appears in the scripture. Oh and my I gosh. Are you going to be Wiccan it. now? Are you going to be a man, witch? I mean, I might be a delicious, salty tomato based <laughs> You know, sandwich, but oh, that's been a long time. Let's see. Um, by the way, hey, Chris, they, you know, Lilith is Add also sloppy uh, Joe's to my shopping list. He's also Joe's. an owl. Did you know that? Like in the Bible, yeah, there's yeah, because it says Bible. owl in the next verse in Isaiah 34 15. <laughs> yeah. It talks about the owl, so I mean, like, it's probably an owl, like, night creature is most likely an owl, but interestingly enough, Mounts's dictionary, you know, our old friend Mounts says a night demon of the female persuasion. So that was interesting. So an argument with your wife, just throw out like, you're a real Lilith right now. Right. Do you, <laughs> did you know that it. like in that, uh, you know, in Cheers, and then later on in the spinoff Frasier, like one of the major characters was named Lilith. And I think nice. they did that on purpose. Every, she was kind like, of seen as like a demon chick. Yeah, every like depressive, edgy teenage girl wants to like call themselves like Lilith for a nickname. Yeah, okay. my 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 friend, uh, one of my best friends, his daughter is just like completely whacked out, and she was like super into Lilith. And of course, those kids weren't catechized because he was lazy and didn't catechize okay, those okay. kids, so um, they didn't really know the meaning of that. And they couldn't go to church when the children were like little. I'm trying not to be a liar. What's up, random? Not much. I, I popped on because you had mentioned me, and uh, I thought you would wanted me to come up, but uh, no, nothing yeah, specific. Was, yeah, that was some time ago. What was it? Do you remember what it was even on? It was. Uh, oh yeah, you asked the. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, you asked why. Yeah, I just, I just made the comment about the Bible not enough. Yeah, yeah. I just made a comment about uh, theology. Yeah, yeah. I just invited you in case you wanted to like, expound on that or anything. I mean, you know, we the question was kind of answered, but uh, yeah, just wanted to throw you out an invite. I always like it when you can speak. If not, that's fine. Uh, it's 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 gone and passed now. It's no big deal. All right, back to night demons, Chris. Well, so so yeah, I mean, like the other thing I'm training my son on right now is to stay away from night demons, and the best way I have found to that's do solid. that for a lit for a litmus test for him, any girl who likes Taylor Swift, <laughs> run away from physically. Do you think she is more uh, more taken over by like satanic influences or government influences? Um, and I mean, both is an okay answer, but which one would weigh more, one side or the other? You foolish mortal! How dare you? Um, is Taylor how, Swift Lilith? Is that what you how, said? How is it? <laughs> how is it that you think government influence and satanic influence is any different in any po- any relevant way? Well, like, well, come on, I mean, Nate, catch up. 
<laughs> I know, right? But I mean, if you have to say like 51-49, which one gets the edge? Because like, you know, um, government could also say like, I, I'm trying to think of an example. I mean, DNV, clearly satanic. Taxes, clearly satanic. But I mean, yeah, um, okay, like government, defending, uh, defending, you know, when they actually did defend our borders against enemies. Like, that's probably not satanic. That's okay. Um, you know, defending your countrymen. So, so let's, let's say that's not satanic. Um, okay. So, so co-opted. Yeah. So let's do a 51-49. Um, more government or more <laughs> satanic? Government psyop or Lilith Satan? I mean, I think she's probably a government psyop, yeah. Well, what about, all, do you think all the Satan stuff, like all the, like, like what, uh, pentagrams and all, like, you know, callbacks to, like, Wiccans and witches now, like, is that just, like, show and, like, she has no idea what she's doing? Just people, her handlers just, like, do this, it's all the thing right now. Hail Satan! Oh. She's like, oh. I didn't think she did that. I didn't even know about that. I was talking about the feminism part, which is just the same thing as that. Oh, but... no, like, apparently, like, she's, like, people are, like, talking about how she's, like, got a whole different, like, thing going on now and she's like doing lots of stuff with like um like getting really close with like wiccans and like you know people in like white dresses doing like weird rituals at like her concerts and stuff what are you serious like yeah like like it like it's it's more subtle it's not like lil nas x how he's like giving satan a lap dance um but i, I mean one video i saw is like um was it wasn't new year's no it wait, wait, one, one thing I, about? taylor swift like one thing i oh, saw okay. was she um she was like coming out and there's like people in like flowing white gowns. Like, you know, if you, if you didn't know, it's like a wicked thing. Like you probably wouldn't know. You just think, Oh, huh. Are they bridesmaids for Satan? But I don't, I don't know. That, that's like a lot of the complaint going on now. Chris, are you going to burn your Taylor Swift uh, albums? Is he on the phone? I was on, I had to answer a business call. It wasn't a business call. Are you going to burn all your Taylor Swift albums now? No, I'm just going to shake it off. (laughs) See what I did there? I love you so hard. It's like you and Sam got bad blood. (laughs) I only know a few like Taylor Swift, like song titles, but I try to use them judiciously. (laughs) Um, Oh, neat. Can, yeah. can I chime in? Yeah. Something that, uh, I was listening to this interesting uh, teaching on this, and I want to get your thoughts or other people's thoughts on this. Um, what do you think about casting out like demons? Let's say the guy gave it as this example. This is a Christian teacher. I forgot his name about a guy was walking by, let's say, a, a psychic, uh, some kind of place that there was like a psychic there. And the Christian said he was going to try to cast out, you know, the demons that were, you know, affiliated with this psychic place. And he said that you, you don't have the authority to do that. Do you, think, do you think Christians have the authority to do such things? Do you believe that's possible? Do you think they should stay away from that? Do you think the demons have rights to be there? I'll give my... I, go ahead. I'll give... I'll give my quick Pentecostal answer, Baptocostal answer before Chris does. I generally am going to agree with what Chris is going to say, but who am I to say definitely not? Um, so, you know, much like healing, if someone feels impressed to pray for a person, God can heal that person. Um, you know, I, I will differ a little bit with Chris and say, look, if someone's walking by and there's clearly someone that's like demon possessed or whatever, I think that person could, could say something they feel impressed and, by the power of God, God could, you know, get rid of that nasty stuff. Um, kind of like when Jesus talks about how, you know, if, uh, what, like you, you get the, you, 
put things right, cast out the demons or whatever, and um, you know your house is all set right, and then you know like seven, it comes in all nice and put back together, um, and if it brings seven things worse than it, and like re-inhabits and the state of that person is worse than the beginning, um, I do think there are there is the ability for people to you know go by and you know whatever, um, and and God can get rid of that nasty thing, um, but if they don't decide to quickly repent and follow Christ, um, the end state of that person could be worse. Um, Chris is probably going to disagree with that part, but then he's going to say stuff that I pretty much agree with him on. Go ahead, Chris. My only difference with Nate is that I think that the only way that the demon is going to be out, put out of that person is through regeneration. Like they have to become saved in order for that demon to leave. Um, demon possession is a permanent state unless one becomes regenerated. They will go to hell with that demon. It's just That's just how it works. That's how it's worked always. Um, it was seen as a sign and a wonder when Jesus cast out demons. Um, and when the apostles did it, it was, it was like walking on water or feeding the 5,000. It was a miracle of that type of level because there had never, ever been an exorcism of a demon up until Jesus. And there wasn't any after the apostles. So... The way that demons are exercised is simply that person becomes a Christian and then the demon must leave, um, you know, and so that is, that's what I believe the Bible teaches. Um, I think that deliverance ministries are a scam. I think Nate will agree with me on that one. Um, so yeah, it's, I think Nate and I just have a slight disagreement. He, he believes that maybe they can, you know, be thrown out before regeneration. I would say that that would only happen at the moment of regeneration. And, and there's actually. And well, and so hang the, on. For, oh, sorry. Well, well, for the record, Chris, would you say like is that one of those things that it's a technicality? Like, okay, it it all happens like exactly like per perceivably the same time, yet technically one happens like a microsecond before the other. Is it one of yeah, those I mean, things or more? Yeah, than it's one? like logical versus temporal priority. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I would say yeah. Same thing with same thing with exercising faith. When you exercise, like when you exercise faith. Mm -hmm. You are born again at the moment you exercise faith. It's just that that born again logically comes before the moment that you exercise that faith. Because if you don't have the ability to exercise that faith prior to regeneration, then how can you do it? You can't because you're, you know, that's just, that's, that's what Jesus teaches in, in John chapter three, that like Nicodemus just can't wrap his head around, you know? And so this is why Jesus is like, marveled at Nicodemus and he's like, you are the teacher of Israel and you do not know Ezekiel. He wouldn't have said Ezekiel 36, 26, but that's what he's talking about. Like he's literally talking about you will be take your heart of stone away and given a heart of flesh. Like, and he's like, you're the teacher of Israel. You don't know the stuff. Like seriously, dude, you know, like, okay. so. Oh. No, thank you. Oh, one other thing, Nate, is that okay? Uh -huh, yeah. It won't be long. No, but thank you, Chris and Nate for your thoughts. I tend to, uh, uh, Tend to agree with you, uh, Chris. So well, if, you're, if you're about to go to a different question, I had something to put a pin in that. Or if it's on the same topic, that's fine. But uh, sorry, yeah, I go you're on the same Brian Dempsey's, Brian Dempsey's here too, so Dempsey go ahead, go is always ahead. good for. Um, well, one other thing. Um, what about with a Christian? Do you think Christians can be? I don't. Christians can't be possessed, but do you believe Christians can be afflicted by demons? Like a true Christian. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, hang on. Let, uh, let me try to put a pin in this because I'm, I'm really curious. And then, yeah, we could get uh, 
that question. So remember that, and then maybe Brian can answer too. Good to see you, Brian. Um, okay, Matthew, I just wanted to get Chris's thoughts on Chris's thoughts on this real quick. So the thing I kind of referenced, Matthew 12, I have no idea the context. It's been a long time since I read it. So, okay, Matthew 12, um, 43, 45. This is what makes me wonder, though, if someone could, for example, have a demon cast out and not be a Christian, have the demon cast out, and be like, hey, bro, you just had a demon. Maybe you should think for a little bit about Christ. And they're like, I'll think about it. And then like a week later, uh, they're either like, yes, uh, yes, I, I need Jesus, or, um, or no, or whatever. Uh, but they wouldn't absolutely have to be a Christian upon getting a spirit dealt with. Um, anyways, that makes me want to get your question on this. So Matthew 12, 43, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, uh, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. Then it comes and finds the empty house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last day of the person is worse than the first. So also it will be with this evil generation. Um, unless you're about to drop a context bomb, because the context is this is a standalone story just in those verses. So that makes me think that, you know, if we're talking about an evil spirit being cast out of someone, then um, having that neat and swept in order, if that person was not a Christ follower, because if they were, it wouldn't have a place to come back to. But that seems to imply that it could have the demon cast out, be back in order, but, but not be a Christ follower, so it can be inhabited again by demons. Nate, Nate, you, Nate. What's your... Nate, uh, let me say something about 30 seconds. The the solution to this is uh, covenant theology, and Jesus was a man of two covenants. He uh, speaking about the old covenant, new birth, whenever... They were born again. The Holy Spirit would come and cleanse it, but wouldn't indwell. But uh, now the Holy Spirit comes and cleanses and indwells. So, uh, you know, the Old Testament saints were born again. They just weren't indwelt. I don't know if that's exactly answering what I'm talking about. Um, so so the, answer, the answer to your question, Nate, is simply that Jesus is doing this casting out of demons, which was a sign or a wonder and not normative. Right, but if he cast them out, that means it seems that that verse would say that they don't necessarily have to be a Christ follower. Jesus would have just cast it out, and now they, like, if for some reason they didn't want to follow him, they wouldn't have to, which means that, you know, that same thing could happen to them all over again. Do you see it that way or not? Yeah, and that's why I said, like, the casting well, so out of demons was simply given as a sign or a wonder. It wasn't specifically to help that person. Well, well, then, so, well, yeah, okay. So then you were saying, though, you think the only way a demon can be cast out today is if uh, that results in them being saved. Um, but if that passage is true, then that means the demon could be cast out um, without them automatically being a Christian. Yes, because it was a completely different situation that you had Jesus miraculously casting out a demon without the presence of the Holy Spirit in that person. Okay. Right, that's, uh, that's the difference. Okay, uh, Brian, did you want to chime in, and then we'll get back to Edwin's part two? Oh, I I, I didn't hear all of the, the scriptures that, that, that were mentioned. Um, I was just thinking in in relation to the discussion, um, I, I kind of came in at the, maybe the end of what Chris was saying. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of like the, uh, the, the girl in Acts 16, right? The, the slave girl who followed Paul, who had the spirit of divination and brought her owners, you know, a lot, a lot of 
a gain by fortune telling. And she was, you know, crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Um, and then it says, you know, she kept doing this for many days. Paul, having become annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her the very hour. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure that in that case that that girl would have, you know, was just, you know, converted because of uh, because of that. It do doesn't seem to indicate any of that. Um, and then I know, you know, in the passage of, you know, I never knew you, one of the things that is claimed is, did we not cast out demons in your name? And so, uh, so I, I don't know how that fits into that, but those are just two scriptures that I had thought about. Well, so yeah, the first one, so the first one wouldn't apply because we're talking about a miracle as, you know, done by Jesus and the apostles and the close associates of Jesus when they were establishing the canon of the New Testament, just like they would walk on water or, you know, they would uh, do all the other miraculous signs and wonders that they were doing. So that first one we could throw out. The second one is going to be... I don't know what be... the context is, Chris. Like, what, what, what's the context of the discussion when you say we can throw it out? Oh, I, don't oh, know. Oh. I don't know what the... Well, maybe, maybe we could go into Edwin's part two, because, I mean, part one, instead of playing catch-up... Um, Maybe we should just go oh, it'll only take me 15 then... seconds. It'll take me okay. 15 seconds to bring Brian up. So all we're talking about is in modern times, can can Christians, could Christians have the authority to cast out demons from people? And my answer would have been the only way that demons come out of people these days is that if that person becomes regenerate and that otherwise Christians, there is no New Testament prescription for casting out demons. There is no instruction set. It is simply seen, it was seen in the scripture as a sign and a wonder and not as normative practice in the church. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Edwin, so uh, part two is can Christians not be possessed because they can't, but uh, be messed okay. with or oppressed? Yeah, be, um, be afflicted by like a demon. So that they have a certain struggle with a certain sin, and it's because they have a demon of afflicting them. And some people believe that okay, there's like deliverance ministries. I think that's what Chris was alluding to. He mentioned that. So, um, but but I just want to touch on something that Chris was saying. I, I think, or was it? I think Brian. And I'm just I'm just just bear with me. But the woman that was uh, Paul commanded the demon to come out of her. So it seems, why did it, if it was just a matter of her getting converted, why, why didn't he just preach the gospel to her? So I, are you saying, Chris, it was just a sign? I think, is that what you're saying? That it was just a sign? So that's not normative <laughs> for the history of, you know, the rest of the church age. So, it's, so okay. And Brian, you have any thoughts on that? I'm just going to, I'm just thinking about this. This is a good discussion. Go ahead. Any thoughts, Brian? Or? I mean, I wouldn't have any problem saying that, uh, the, the idea of casting out demons was certainly um, a, a sign and, and a wonder. Um, I, I don't know, like, I, 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 don't, I don't hold to some hard and fast, you know, that these miraculous signs and wonders and miracles ceased with the apostles historically. I don't believe that that's, I don't believe that that's true historically uh, from the testimony of the church, but I don't believe that they're normative. And so in, in, in a similar way, I, 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 don't, I don't biblically have a problem, um, you know, so I may take a slightly different take than Chris would. Um, my, my son spent time in Togo, West Africa, 
where, you know, there was all kind of spiritism and all kinds of stuff. And if a missionary came and God wanted to validate his messenger and message by allowing this missionary to cast out a demon um, and and God validate him, I, I don't think biblically there's any any problem with that. But if he did, it would function in the same way, in an analogous way that it did there in Acts 16 as a sign and a wonder. Um, but I, I just don't think that's a, I don't think that's a normative in the church. So, yeah. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Thank you guys. Uh, yeah. And I've got about 10 minutes left. So yeah, the uh, oppressing thing, uh, that's the question on the table, right? Yes, uh, Nate. Yeah. Um, some people think they have a, um, whatever sin struggle they have. Some people say, well, that's maybe a, a demon, a jealousy, or adultery. Or uh, and some people think there's like a deliverance ministry. They have people that will pray over you to get delivered from this demon that's afflicting them. And then, um, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Well, my first thought is first, I, I mean, you know, I don't think like Brian said biblically. Like I, I don't think biblically you can you can rule it out that there's like some sort of you know, I don't know, demonic influence that could potentially be around that person, like you know, messing with them or causing some level of difficulty in their life or temptation or whatever. Um, I think that would be exception, not the rule. I think the rule would be like the Bible says, um, you know, no one say God is tempting them when we're like led astray or whatever. It's from our own desires and and it's from our own own wants. So I think that is that is overwhelming the majority. Um, don't be so quick to blame demons. Like they probably have better stuff to do than mess with you. Um, so while possible, sure, I'd say it's plausible that that could happen. Possession, no oppression or whatever term they want to use. Like there could be some spiritual malevolent force trying to cause problems in your life. Sure, plausible, but more than likely it's the scripture where it says, you know, if you're led astray, um, it's from your own desires. Um, or if there's like, you know, also like, you know, isn't Isaiah where it talks about uh, maybe not a direct parallel, but quasi related. How it says, you know, like these things will be gener uh, visited down like third and fourth generations to those who hate me and stuff like that. So I think there are also hereditary things. So let's not be so quick to blame demons again, um, or even your own desires. So if there's like a hereditary thing, like alcoholism, like uh, I think that could be quasi-related, how you're predisposed that if, you know, your parents were drunks, your grandparents were drunks, and if you start having um, alcohol, you're predisposed to being that. Well, you know, if you don't want to blame your own desires because you, you hate it when you do it, and you don't want to blame demons, um, you know, there's also genetics. Um, that I think things are handed down um, to a certain degree. Um, and we, we see that in science with, you know, mental illness or anxiety, like some things people are just more predisposed to. So there's a whole litany of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're trying to cast out demons, maybe you just need to say, don't buy vodka. I, but, yeah, I agree. Uh, I, oh, one last thing, Nate, uh, if that's okay. Uh, thank you. I think well said. agree with everything you're saying. The one passage that I struggle with when it says to resist the devil why does it, I understand about the sinful nature, but why even say, tell us to resist the devil? Because I don't know if it's the devil. I just know I have to resist sinful temptations. But why, it's almost like, is the devil actively, why even mention that? He says he will flee from you. Resist, resist the devil, he will flee from you. So it seems like we are to be mindful of the fact that they can tempt us. But why does it matter if it's the devil or it's just our sinful flesh? Why, why does it make any difference? That is a good question for people who love to be very precise and with context. <clears throat> Chris, 
So I would love to hear that answer. Chris, why specifically the devil? Because the devil is only one entity and can't mess with the whole planet. So would you say that extends to like generally like malevolent spiritual forces or uh, all of the above or Chris? Well, well just, to, just to clarify, my question was, was that why, why even say resist the devil? Why don't they just say resist sin? Because does it matter if it's my sinful flesh or the devil that's tempting me? The fact is I still need to resist regardless of where the temptation is coming from. Why mention devil and demonic forces? Does it even matter? I should just resist it. Even if it's there's no demons involved, I should still resist, right? Well, of course. Sure, but but, you have to read the verse in its context, actually. Which Chris will now do. <laughs> will Chris now do? Should I yeah, bring it up? Yeah, sorry. I'm just running around cleaning up my house. My wife is coming home in, well, six hours. So, you know, seven hours. So I've got a limited amount of time. Um, you know, because we've been living like pig bachelors. We need to plant this. We need to plant the Lilith seed a few more times. So when you get her there for you, like, oh, welcome home, Lilith. I, I mean, ah, ah. Don't make, <laughs> don't make me throat punch you. Okay, so let's see. Uh, James chapter two, I believe, is resist the devil. Is that right? It's four seven. Four seven. That's right. Okay. James Brian can give it to us in contest. Ah, I hate when Accordance does this. Okay. Oh, you're using like the Bible software? Accordance? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I have it on my phone. I like it because it's a really quick, easy interlinear. Ah. Four, seven. Okay. Is it free? Uh, yeah. Um, and then you pay for content. So like the LSB ah. with mounts is free. So I didn't pay for that, but I have paid for other stuff in accordance. Anyway, so in the context, uh, James chapter four. Um, all right, let's just start with one. I know it's going to be seven verses. I don't know if anybody and Nate did not survive. Okay, here we go. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not the source your pleasures is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and you do not have, so you murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world sees himself as an and sets himself as an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us, but he gives us a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Be subject, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and cry. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. So, 
what this is talking about is like their previous life as slanderers and pleasure seekers and murderers and that by giving your life to Christ and following Christ, um, you know, you, as you draw near God, he will draw near to you. And, you know, the, the resistance of the devil in this passage is that drawing near to God. That is, that is how we resist the devil. And then all of these things, the slanders and all this other stuff that's going on in the church, even back then, this is the earliest epistle. James is, I believe, considered the first epistle to have been written. Um, you know, there's, there's quarrels and slanders back then. There's Sam and Cherry causing a ruckus up in the church, you know, and Paul is doing so well. I know, I know I was doing so well. So then, you know, so it's like, Hey, you know, why are these slanders and quarrels among you? You know, submit yourself to God. And let me take a stab at being as studious as Chris. So, uh, I was thinking for my verse of James one, 13 and 15, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed, just like Chris was <clears throat> just now. <clears throat> then, after de- desire <laughs> has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full-grown, gives birth to death. So, no, thank you very much, Chris uh, and, and Nate. So you're saying that his audience are not believers in James chapter four, verse one, excuse me, those verses, they're not believers. He's calling them to become converted. No, 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 no. He's, he's referring back like Paul and James, the apostles do this constantly. So were some of you, you know, the reasons you didn't get stuff in the past is because you were seeking after your own pleasure. The reasons you're not getting stuff now is because you do not ask God with pure motives. And the reason that there's quarrels and stuff in the church is because your motives are impure. That's what he's saying. That's the exegesis of the passage. Brian, would you concur with that very quick base-level exegesis? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's just important to, to read 7 and 8 um, together. Uh, the, the whole idea is submit yourself to God is parallel to draw near to God. Um. And then the idea is, um, when he says resist the devil, it's paralleled with cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. It's, it's the work of the devil, the way of the devil, who um, is a slanderer and comes to kill and steal and destroy and is, you know, the, the, the god of this world and, who, and this world system. And so when he talks about resisting the devil— um, it's, I, I, I believe it's kind of expanded on in the parallel thought, you know, w- what does that mean for us? Well, it's, it's drawing near, but it's, it's cleansing our hands and purifying our hearts. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think you thank read you, Brian. seven and eight together. I'm well, thank you. Too, but do you guys also think that uh, the devil can also be pride? Because he's, because in verse 10 it says, humble yourselves before the Lord that he will exalt you. So he seems that um, the quarrels and the fights are most likely like debates and division. And the way uh, how James could be uh, paraphrasing it, it could be metaphorical too, maybe like killing and like that can be literal, but it seems like uh, it has to do with, you know, 
people start to be boastful, divisive, arrogant, uh, and maybe like even disrupting people's faith. Because I think in James 5 or James uh, 3, in one of the um, epistles of James, he clearly says if someone um, had doubt that prevented that person from leaving the faith, that person just hate that person. So it, maybe it has something to do with the faith as well. Do you get what I'm trying to say, guys? Like, like do not try to cause doubt on people's faith, especially like people who recently converted. It can also be in that way, possibly. But overall, it's just about uh, uh, arrogance and worrying about arrogance and trying to be humble. Yeah, I, I, I just think that that whole thing of resisting the devil, like what what Chris did in going back and reading the whole thing, is is just its immediate context. The idea of friendship with the world is enmity with God. Well, I mean, you could say fr- friendship with Satan, friendship with you know the the works of the devil that Christ came to destroy, you know, fr- friendship with the world system who is under the power and influence of the evil one, when it talks about the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And, you know, we're, we're called to, um, to not be friends with the world. Um, all, all of that. I mean, every negative in this that, that he says is what we are to resist. And he just puts it all underneath that label, the devil, because of his rule and power and influence in the world. So, no, thank you, Brian. So when he talks about him Most fleeing, likely. no, thank you, um, about him, um, he says he will flee from you. What, is that, like, does that mean he'll give up? Like, no, it's the system of the time? world, like, yeah, the system of the world will flee from you, like, you know, that that's what's hard. This is not a, you know, resist the devil himself, like, this is a... The devil here is simply a an appellation for the works of the flesh, the world, right? We yes. fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil, right? So there is definitely spiritual warfare going on. You know, we don't deny that. But in this particular verse, this is talking about the works of the world. Just yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's personified, and he, he flees. Yeah. So this is not some kind of spiritual warfare verse, in other words. Well, I mean, it kind of is because, you know, in Second Corinthians ten, the, the classic spiritual warfare verse, right? Uh, verses, it it is well in Ephesians six as well. But like Second Corinthians ten is specifically talking about how we conduct spiritual warfare, and that is that spiritual warfare is simply a a war of ideas. It is not like some woo woo, you know, telling demons to you know, tell us their names and crazy stuff like that. It's simply a battle for truth. Like what we do here every day, hanging out with Nate, that is spiritual warfare. That is correcting um, lies of the enemy and pointing people toward the scripture. That is spiritual warfare. Thank you. you I'm reading the passage again, but I understand what... um, is it uh, Ed, Ed, Edwin? He pointed out, uh, yeah. uh, do not wish to be a friend of the world, but in verse one, what causes quarrel and co- well, what causes fights among you? 
is it not this that you your passions are at war within you right so don't you guys think it's also possible that it's also about like division causing division and clearly yeah. it's just, that's, that's what the passage that's is another. about brothers the one who speak against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law in verse 11 so it, we, it can mm-hmm. also talk about the system but perhaps i was thinking maybe in the context of the church how people got get divided divisive and very, very uh prideful in their reaction to the world right so this is what jesus is trying to say resist the the worldly pleasures uh and everything else and try to humble yourself uh and and resist being arrogant and uh, if you do, uh, the evil, the corruption, the sins in you, uh, or the sins that you got affected from the world will flee. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like what Brian is saying is exactly right. The symptom of divisions in the church is caused by worldliness in the church. That is the point of this passage. Like you're not, you're, you're both correct. So like, June, you're correct in that this is about divisions, but the divisions are simply a symptom of something deeper that James is pointing out, is where do our divisions come from? It comes from people wanting to be friends with the world, therefore, you know, resist the devil and he will flee from you, you know, and all the parallelisms, um, again, that, that Brian mentioned. Remember, James was written by a Jew, and so even though it's written in Greek, you will still find features of Hebrew writing in the Greek a lot of times. Um, one of those being Hebrew parallelisms, and this is what we see in this passage. And on that note, I must run. Unless you guys want to keep it going. Anyone want to keep it going? I think we're pretty good for today. I, don't, I got things to do. I still have a lot of housework to do. All right. Brian, good to see you. I saw that picture you posted your breakfast uh, the other day. That looked excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's good stuff. Hey, good to see y'all. All right. See you guys later. Take care. Take care, everybody. Thank you.